Oh, but I'm not worried about fucking terrorism, man. I was married for two fucking years! What are you gonna do, scare me? These fucking TWA hostages. I was a hostage for 58 days. You got offline! <laughs> oh, God. You ever been married? You have? Oh, you know, what's, what's the face? Give him the face. Oh! See, it's just not me, folks. This man's been a victim. He's been a victim! Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes, you're listening to Synchronon. The Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm your host, E. Simon. Hello, I'm Kate Rambo. What's cracking there, Kate Rambo? Hello, D. What's going on, Uncle D? Uncle D is heading up to the Bay Area this weekend to meet my nephew, Baby Ozzy, for the first time. To go and take his foreskin a gift. <laughs> well, he's got a gift. His foreskin is now a gift, isn't it? His parents could have taken it away from him, like his T-bird, but they've decided to leave it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sneak in like a moil in the middle of the night, just snip, snip. They're like, gotcha, <laughs> and then run back to L.A. Is um, Moyle like the Jew term for the scissors that they use? No, yeah, the Moyle's the guy that does the cutting. Like oh, the that's doctor. like a real, there's a real guy who like. Well, he's a just... doctor, but the, but in traditional Judaism, the rabbi performs the bris, the Moyle does the snip snip. Oh, right. Yeah. That seems a bit like, well, the Jews are all about saving money. You think it would be a one-man team. Except the rabbi just rip it off with his teeth. Well, I thought that's what they did anyway. <laughs> <laughs> then they eat sharp it. Jewish teeth, just ripping it off. Yeah, and um, then he know, eats you know, substance. I'm proud of my sister and Jared for making that decision, to be honest. I feel like unnecessary surgery uh, should never be performed. Why, why do that? Why, why, you know what? I'm, I'm proud know? that he's they're honoring the European heritage of it. Uh, because, you know, Shmuley is like, um, what? He's one quarter British. He's like me. Yeah, isn't he? but if he was if he was British, if they were honoring his heritage, he'd be a British Jew. He'd chop no, no, it no. Anyway. They're just no. They're just honoring his British heritage. Me and Schmules <laughs> are gonna go to the pub. I'm gonna buy him a shandy when he's two. It's all good. Yeah, get him drinking early. Um, I bought him a copy. I bought him some books. Went up there. I bought him some books. I bought him a uh, a Purple Rain onesie because my sister is really into prints. Yes. Some Rolling Stone pajamas. I bought him a copy oh, wow. of uh, Where the Sidewalk Ends. I'm hopefully he's going to start no reading that. that. You know Shel Silverstein? Ever read that book? No. Have you got him a copy of Master and Margarita? I feel Not that's an yet. important childhood that's, that's six months. reading book. Six um, months, yeah. What about Catcher in the Rye? Is that at the tricky 18-month stage? That's coming a little bit later. Um, I did get him a copy of Angus Oblong's Creepy Susie. Which I think he'll enjoy. It's a nice little yes. goth children's book. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I need to find a Black Sabbath onesie so he can honor his namesake. Oh yeah, um, you should totally be tweeting Ozzy Osbourne about this and the. Uh, I'm sure. Know. I'm sure you can find those online. You know, I was talking to a coworker of mine. I think I told you about that coworker who used to like 
she didn't manage Danzig, but she like yes, worked with Danzig. She was just like, oh, you should get him one. Of, you should get him some Rockabye lullabies. And I was like, what's this? And I guess her friend started this company called Rockabye Lullaby, and they make like okay. lullaby versions of like rock songs. But they also do a lot of like metal songs and things like that. So I got a number of these things. I got a, all right from YouTube. I'm gonna play them. Let's see if you recognize them. All right, all right, all right. All right. Here's the first one. See if you can call this one out. Audience is gonna get it. Oh yeah, there's a lot of these like little animal chirps in there. Hear the chirps? Some of them work, some of them I wouldn't even get. This just sounds like baby music, doesn't it? Yeah. See if you might get it. That's a Black Sabbath. Do you one. know what this reminds me of? There's a British telly show called uh, Never Mind the Buzzcocks, which is so good, but they used We're, to do an intro round. Who's the host of uh, Never Mind the Buzzcocks? Oh my God. Um, um, I'm blanking on his name right now. Famous. There was Mark Almond. There was Mark Almond. Not Mark Almond. What's he called? Because he was from T4 and I loved him. Um, play the next song. All right, here's the next one. See if you get this one. Oh, Guns of Roses. Sweet child of mine. It's gonna yeah, be a good one. I'm gonna skip ahead. Got a little, you hear that little frog croaking? Childhood memories. Yeah. All right, you got that one. All right, how about yeah, this one? Yeah, it was Simon, so Simon Amstel. He's like a Jewish comedian. He's probably like the only only Jewish comedian in Britain. And he's yeah, gay. That, was a, that was a great show. Never mind the Buzzcocks. Yeah, but this is like, like this I might is still me have of that. that, actually. All right, all it's right, here's the next on one. See so if you get this one. Okay, okay. This is a little tougher, but you'll get it once the riff hits. tough one so, so that's what i'm saying some of these work really well some of them you're like i have no idea what this is it's close all right you get five more seconds you don't get it you shook me all night long what you shook me all night long acdc tell but it's it's tough it sounds slow yeah i don't think that one works really well all right it see sounds if you get so this much one. slower okay okay a lot of them have the little chirps in the beginning i'm gonna fast forward it the 
This is familiar. I think a lot of people would know this one. kind of works so you can tell i feel yeah. like this one works really well you might not get it but uh i got it immediately i was like ah, actually kind of works really well and if i do end up getting any rockabye lullabies it's just going to be the these songs from this one particular band slayer i wish System of a Doubt. What yeah. is it? The Trooper, Iron Maiden. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Coffee Fucking A's. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's so good. It works out. It works really well. Yeah, this one works. All right. Here's another Maiden song. is just rockabye uh, baby just all Iron Maiden I think see it's like kind of a kid the Iron Maiden ones work because they're nearly like a, they're like music to go to sleep to nearly well it's a little heavier when it's not <laughs> but no That's it works what I for mean, kids those ones alright if you get this one uh, these next two if you get these two I'm going to be stunned because I did not get this one but I had to play it just because just because to see yeah okay. see if you get it let's see sure this one works all that well i know this one though i freaking knew it i'm gonna be good when you tell me this answer yeah you will be what is it father tell your you children not like a mother tell your children not not i think this part is like father dun, dun, dun. <laughs> that's what i know no, the numbers are the father. Yeah, what's it? Father. So, uh, I forget that line, but. Do you wanna bang heads with me? That's what it is. Yeah. Father, do, do you wanna feel everything? Oh. Yeah, I didn't get this one, though. Did you get it? I don't think it works. It's that well. the dun dun dun, because that's how you can play the chords on the guitar. Dun. Yeah. Yeah. All right, this one I'll be stunned if you get this because I did not get this one. 
I just want All right, to last to one, last one. Okay, okay. I didn't get this one. But I love this song, though. I know this! You're gonna be gutted. So they do have a like a heavy metal one, but then there's also like you know Notorious B.I.G. and Tupac and all that. So yeah, it's pretty funny. Rockabye lullabies here um, from RockabyeBabyMusic.com. Yeah, my coworker, her friend, started this company. Um, if I buy any, I'm just buying the maiden ones. As soon as Shreeli can speak, these are the lyrics. These important lyrics that I'm going to teach him. I am an antichrist. I am an anarchist. <laughs> Don't know what I want, but I know where to get it. I want to deploy passes by. I'm going to teach him that, and then he can run into school and teach the other kids. Well, I think kind of, I don't want these like fucking, I don't know, uh, these like fucking lullaby renditions of these songs. He's he going to listen to the real ones. Real thing. Let yeah. him listen to more. He's getting the misfits. He's getting the exploited. Yeah. GBH. He's going to learn the, the real thing. The cramps. Let, yeah. You got to yeah, get it at an early age to really affect Do development. You know what? We were all brought upon me. I was listening to CCR since the day I was born. And today I was listening to Centerfield by John Fogarty. So there you go. You they don't do, need to exclude music. They do have a whole lullaby renditions of CCR, though. By the way, I bet they do. <laughs> but you don't need to. You don't need to have lullaby renditions. Of no, play the real thing. Done. That's what I say. Just play, yeah, and be like, teach your son to be scared of the Vietnam War. To be honest, though, I'm dreading the screaming because every time I talk to my sister, <laughs> you hear that fucker just like screeching on the phone, and my sister's like, "Well, I only get about three hours of sleep a night." I'm just like. Uh, <laughs> You know, well, is is I mean, it as bad as your cat? Well, that's what I'm saying. I lose patience with my shitty cat, so I can't even imagine a fucking child like amplified screaming, you know, like uh, throughout the night. My brother uh, told me he was, if you can't take it, you can sleep on my uh, my couch. What and, and like, get and get cat aids from the couch? <laughs> I don't know, I don't know if it'd be cat aids, but it'd definitely be something, um, some kind of incurable disease. No, I'll I'll go get a fucking hotel before I stay on my brother's couch. Yeah, well, that's what they signed up for, and I have no idea why people want babies. Do you know what? Do you know what's more better than a baby? An eight-hour sleep. Yeah, eight-hour sleep. Baby. Yeah. Yeah. And like Not for money. me. So you can go take vacations. Um, Yeah, traveling and, you know, being able to then piss away your money on records, books, and uh, velvet dresses is all more important. Pornhub membership. Yeah, all Um, these things are way more important than having a baby. Stop talking about your private life. Who the fuck has a Pornhub (laughs) membership? That's what I'm saying. I wouldn't have the extra money for a Pornhub membership if I had to pay for a child. Well, no, I think think your Pornhub membership goes up when you've got a child. It should. Um, speaking of screaming, Kate found an amazing guest for the show this week. Sam Kinison's 
brother and manager Bill Kinnison was on the show. Um, yeah. Sam Kinnison, legendary comedian, an iconic comedian from the mid to late 80s, died tragically way too young. Way um, young. But no, I mean, this guy, inimitable. There's no one that's ever come close to matching Sam Kinison and uh, his iconic scream. Like that scream that he did that everybody it's immediately his. recognizes. You know, And he's in my wank bank. He's a permanent resident of my wank bank. He shall never leave. <laughs> I, think, I have so much love and respect for Sam Kinison. I think a lot of women have uh, have Sam Kinison playing a starring role in their wank bank. Well, but so th- they should. Well, this guy he's was talented. huge, though. I mean, he was huge. He was a huge comedian. This is like, you know, late 80s. I mean, he uh, did the song Wild Thing with Jessica Hahn and like pretty much every rock star in L.A. at the time, like every hair metal guy. He performed in stadiums. He was that big. Yeah. I'm talking Sold like Madison arenas. Square Garden is where this guy performed. And to be honest, I'm stunned. And how many younger people have never heard of him? The TikTokers. Uh, it's crazy. No, I was like, I was talking to a friend of mine at uh, work, and I was like, oh yeah, we did a show. Uh, we we talked to Bill Kinison, Sam Kinison's brother. Like, you know, kind of bragging about it because it's, it's amazing. It's a great guest to get on the show. And uh, they're like, who? I was like, how do you not know Sam Kinison? Well. I say this um, a couple of weeks back. How I found Bill Kinnison was because I did a Sam Kinnison overkill. So I did like his life and times. And while doing my research for that, I found Bill. And so all I did was email Bill and be like, hey, sweetie, you want to come on and do an interview? And he was like, of course. And I was like, kiss, kiss, kiss. And we arranged it. But I had actually never heard of Sam Kinnison until like last year. But it was it was love at like first listen. Well, you'd heard you know, of Bill you... Hicks, though. And Bill of Hicks course. and Sam Kinison used to perform together. I've definitely been aware of Sam Kinison, but I'd never been out to seek Sam Kinison. And I think maybe it's different because I am also European. Yeah, that could so... be true, but... You know, Bill Hicks has a much bigger kind of um, draw over here than Sam Kinison. But f- Sam Kinison, to me, the Bill Hicks is underneath Sam Kinison now. Sam uh, Kinison is number one. I think one. they're on, on par, but they're different. Different. Uh, they are different, you know, but no, I think Sam Kinison. Comedic techniques. I mean, I, I, loved, I loved Sam Kinison in high school. I mean, my brother had all the tapes. And so even when I was like in eighth grade, I, you know, seventh grade, I was listening yep. to all the Sam Kinison tapes. The perfect age as well. Yeah, um, but I just wonder like how he'd resonate in this hypersensitive world we live in today. You know, I wonder. Like, they, I think they'd be, they'd cancel him as soon as he opened his mouth. As soon as he walked up on stage and told yeah. his first joke, they'd be canceled and they'd be offended and leave. Well, I talk yeah. about that in the Overkill. Um, he did get cancelled. He got cancelled live on national television by Elton John, and he uh, he did drop jokes from his set. I mean, yeah. And and that was a day and age when like basically nobody was getting cancelled. Yeah, in the nineties, well, I think that was like the that was like the last bastion of being of actually having creative freedom. I would say up until the mid two thousands, maybe even later. But I just yeah. think Sam would have hated what our society has become. He would have you for know? sure. Oh, I love Sam Kidd. I mean, maybe he's fortunate never to have to actually have dealt with cancel culture. You know, to be honest. Yes. <laughs> but, he, he would be the king of anti-cancel culture. Country, Anti-can- yeah. Um, <laughs> I cannot say my words today. But seriously, people, you should go check out Sam Kinison. You should listen to Sam Kinison. You should learn from Sam Kinison. He's a one-of-a-kind performer, personality, yeah. 
And people like him don't really exist anymore. You don't really find comedians at that caliber anymore. You, yeah, you don't. You don't. He's, and put him in your wank bank, people. He's in mine. Anyway, here's the interview uh, we did a couple weeks ago with uh, Bill Kennison, Sam's brother and his manager. Hey, Bill, thanks for being on the show. Um, how, how are you doing this Friday morning? Well, it's my privilege. Thank you for the invitation, and uh, we're doing great. It's going to be 80 degrees here today. and uh, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> it's not wow. like that. And it's doing, we're doing great. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess that's a, a, a welcome change to the weather since uh, it was a couple weeks ago over, because you live in Texas, right? Yes, San Antonio. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, beautiful, so, beautiful city. So how do you feel about uh, not having to wear a mask anymore? Isn't that the governor said, Texas, no more masks for anyone? Uh, yeah, but he has left it up to the uh, local governments like the mayor and uh, and the businesses and things. I'm going to wear a mask until I think this is over. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not a young guy and I'm high risk. And why roll the dice? I mean, what's yeah. so tough about it? You put a freaking mask on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's it's my sentiments. Well, yes. What do you think Sam would have thought about wearing a mask? Oh, I don't think he'd have been too supportive. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering about that. So um, so tell me, where was the uh, Kinnison family originally from? Uh, well, we always thought we were Irish, and then I did that DNA thing and found okay. out we're actually from uh, Eastern Europe. We don't have a oh. bit of Irish in us. Oh, wow. And so um, I don't know exactly you know, exactly what we are. <laughs> and by the, time it, by the time it's got down to our level, we're just much now. <laughs> so what state did you grow up in? We grew up in Peoria, Illinois, in the same projects that uh, Richard, Pryor Richard Pryor did. But we didn't know Richard then. We met him, uh, you know, when Sam got into comedy and ended up being very, very close friends. Uh, another legend in comedy, Richard Pryor. But yeah, he came from oh, Peoria. Yeah. That was that was actually Sam's inspiration. Oh wow! Yeah, I had he, read. He, yeah, I'd read that song. He was like, a, he was, memorized it. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. He was a, a preacher, and uh, he got married, and as in his routines, it lasted two years. <laughs> and uh, but on our, their honeymoon, they went out to L.A. and they went to the comedy store and happened to have seats. Uh, right in front, and Richard Pryor was up. Oh man! And Sam had always admired Richard Pryor, and but after watching him and everything, I don't think he got to meet him. But after watching him, he decided that, uh, or at least he told me, he came back and said, "You know, I saw Richard Pryor, and I go, man, that's that's fantastic." He said, "I can do that. <laughs> I can do that." And yeah, that's how I mean, he got started. Then two years later, he got a divorce, and. Uh, so he was through in the ministry. In our in our circles, that was the worst thing could happen to you if you got a divorce. They used to tell you that if you can't take care of your own house, you're not fit for the house of God. <laughs> and so uh, Sam did what what he'd always really wanted to do, and that was get into stand-up comedy, and uh, the rest was history. So preaching, though, was your family's business. Like, your father was a preacher as well, right? Oh, yeah. Were, were, oh, yeah. Did you ever yeah. get into preaching? And, and all three of my brothers. 
Oh, Pardon? did you get, were you a preacher as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, I've read that uh, Sam kind of felt a stigma about being a preacher's kid. How'd you feel about it? Well, Sam didn't feel a stigma about being a preacher's kid. Uh, what what bothered him was is that we actually lived in the church that our parents pastored. Oh, wow. And uh, so, you know, I was like, I was like the tough kid in the neighborhood, so I never got teased or anything. And uh, but I think Sam did, and so I remember we went next door. We had a fellow that lived next door that was a widower named Mister Kelly, and we went over and uh, told him, "Hey, if any kids come and ask for us, tell us, tell them that we live here, but we're working over at the church <laughs> to try to keep anybody from knowing that." that uh, we lived there. It didn't bother me. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's uh, like a free you know, house. Like, was there a house in, like, did you live in like rooms behind, behind the church or was it like a home within no, no, the church? No, 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 no. It was a, it was a big Methodist church, 24 rooms. And, uh, Oh, wow. My father had built a church and a parsonage and then he sold it and bought this, this, uh, church. And then upstairs, they just made living quarters. They yeah. turned Sunday school rooms and stuff like that into our, into, uh, our living quarters. That's where we lived. And I, I lived there till, uh, till I got married. Yeah. Actually I'm... at 23 and, uh, and Sam lived there until he ran away at 14. And then two years later showed up and lived there again. <laughs> so was Sam a rebellious teen? Like, was he a rebel back then? Uh, yeah, I would say so. He was he wasn't a you know, Sam wasn't a mean kid. He was a uh uh he just I'd used to tell him, I even told him when he got into comedy and and in in his routines and stuff, I go, dude, normal people don't think like that. <laughs> and that's how that's how he grew up just doing anything that uh, you know, he Yeah, I mean, I, I I could see that. Well, I think part of the thing is with him is his intimidating stage presence. When he was a preacher, did he have that? Did he like you know yell or you know scream out the fear of God? The fire and, people? and brimstone. Well, we were raised in fire and brimstone and sending you to hell and uh, <laughs> and waiting for Jesus to come and dancing and falling out on the floor and we we that's how that was the kind of church we was raised in. But with uh, with Sam, I know this is going to sound crazy, but his weakness in the ministry, he wasn't very successful. And the reason was is that he really felt like preaching was giving out information. And I used to tell him all the time, man, you, you know, you've got to be an entertainer. You have to entertain them and give them information. And so his weakness was really stage presence. And then when he got into comedy, it was like... Uh, the exact opposite. You know, all the barriers were gone, and he could do and say whatever he wanted, and he did. So how did he develop his act? So you said he saw Richard Pryor, he was inspired, like, I'm going to do stand-up comedy. Was it a pretty natural transition for him from preaching to comedy? He never changed at all. <laughs> never changed at all. I mean, he uh, the way that he started, which is – interesting because when he first got into comedy down in Houston, Texas, he uh, was a prop comedy comic. Prop He'd bring oh out a box gosh. of props. I cannot imagine and, uh, doing that. Like a Bible? 
No, uh, I don't think you ever had a Bible, but get a lot of Jesus jokes and stuff that that uh, I personally thought was hilarious, and so did everybody else. And (laughs) and uh, but that, but his style was uh, still the same. The the scream didn't come until uh, six, seven years later in Los Angeles, and he was married to his uh, second wife. And my wife and I came out to L.A. I would handle whatever business, which wasn't much at that time. Um, and so I remember we showed up at their apartment and man, it was a, uh, it was a knockdown drag out. They were into it. And so I finally, <laughs> you know, we got them split up and then I told Sam, I said, oh, let's go down to the comedy store, man. Let's get out of here. And so, uh, I guess they've been arguing for like three days. And so, you know, when you're mad, you really don't want to be around happy people. <laughs> no. <laughs> and so we went to the comedy store. Sam got up and uh, started doing his routine. And right down front, there was this couple that uh, they were young. They looked like might have been on their first date or something. And, and they were just all giddy over each other. And it drove Sam nuts and finally just stopped. And his first HBO special, uh, he goes over to a guy. And that's what he did this first night. And he goes, hey. You think you love her? Look at her. This is the best it's ever going to be right now. I love that. And before bit. you, uh, you know, before you before you decide to um, decide to get married and have a nice little house and a picket fence and two and a half kids and and a dog, I want you to remember this face. Only Sam's mad. He's not trying to be funny. He's mad because he's been mad for three days. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets down and, and just yells in this guy's face, as you can see in that routine. Oh, God, it's the best. And, uh, and that's when the, the scream was born, man. Everybody went nuts. And so he just started incorporating it in everything he did. And that's what he was known for. Yeah, it definitely became like his uh, you know signature scream. Um, so how did he get into, I mean, he moved here. He didn't really have any connections. So how did he break into the comedy store? Like, did he have to get on the casting couch with Mitzi Shore? Oh, probably a little more than that, but yeah. Uh, he, uh, first two years of comedy, I mean, he was just a natural. He was, he was absolutely a natural. I've seen him after... Oh, he'd been doing comedy about six weeks, and that's when Rodney Dangerfield had walked in after wow. doing a big show, and and he would go to a small club and encourage the comedians. And Sam did the same thing when when he got big. Anyhow, Rodney walked in and uh, had his entourage, and I told the bartender, I said, you know, whatever uh, whatever they want, I'll take care of it. And so he said, all right. So he goes over and tells Rodney, you know, that the guy at the bar is paying for it, and so. Uh, Rodney asked me to come over and sit with him. And Sam was on stage. He had no idea I was connected to Sam. And so he's watching Sam. Now, you got to remember, Sam's only been doing comedy about six weeks. Wow. Yeah. And he's watching Sam, and he turns around to him, and he goes, hey, I'm going to tell you right now. This kid's a genius. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to be big. I don't know how long it's going to take him because he's not too disciplined. (laughs) But uh, he's a genius. And so uh, from then on, him and Sam struck up a friendship. Rodney and I uh, ended up being very, very close friends. And uh, six years later, it was, uh, well, I guess it'd be about three years later, uh, 
Rodney uh, gave him this break, which we almost blew. Uh, oh. Mitzi would hold Sam off to about two o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. and by that time, Sam had developed a a uh, big following of underground people, of celebrities, of porno stars. Oh yeah. And so they would call in and go, "What time is Sam coming up?" And they'd say two o'clock. Well, comedy store would be packed at two o'clock in the morning. Well, he so- did his he did his routine, and uh, I was at home. And uh, Rodney told him afterwards, says, "Hey, I'm, I'm uh, doing an HBO uh, comedy special, and I think you're ready. I think you ought to do it." And so I had just held. I owned a, a comedy club in Madison, Wisconsin, and I had just held the finals of the Showtime uh, Funniest Man in America thing. And so uh, when he asked Sam, you know, I think uh, I think this is good for you. I think you need to do it. And so Sam told him, hey, I don't do contests. And he didn't. I mean, he wouldn't have won with his material. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, I don't know how that would have so gone. So Roddy over. was like, Where, where's Bill at? Where's his brother? And they said, I think he's home. Give me his phone number. And they called me like 3 o'clock in the morning. Tells me the same thing. Doing this HBO comedy special. And I don't know how far we can go on your podcast on language. Oh, I'm fine. Yeah, swear. Yeah, feel free. You can free. say whatever you want. Oh, okay. Feel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just going to tell you what Rodney said. He called me and gives me the same thing he told Sam, and I tell him the same thing Sam told him. Sam doesn't do contests. And I remember Rodney going, What the fuck is it with you two guys? <laughs> Not a goddamn contest. <laughs> a showcase. Yes. I really think it'd do something for him. So I said, Well, I'll talk to him tomorrow and see what I can do, Rodney. So we got together and, uh, both of us didn't think anything's going to come up this six minutes with other comedians up there, which there were some strong ones there. Yeah. Who else? Who else was, was it like Bob Saget? Uh, yeah. You had Saget. You had, uh, I'll tell you who the funniest guy was, but he ended up being, I guess, weird as hell was a guy named Bob Nelson. Bob and oh. he played this football, football guy. Oh, I've never heard and, of him. Uh, I'll look him up. Yeah. Well, he stayed in Florida. We actually wanted him to open for us one time on a tour. And he said, yeah, yeah, I'll do it when you're in Florida. And I said, dude, we're offering you 5000 a show on expenses. He said, I don't leave Florida. Oh, wow. And so I called Rodney since he was on his HBO special. And I said, hey, what's the story with Bob Nelson? He goes, he's fucking nuts. <laughs> I tried to get him to come to Vegas and... And uh, open for me, and uh, he won't he won't leave Florida. But I thought he was outside of Sam, but Sam blew everybody else away. I can imagine. And, uh, of course, yeah, he's a fantastic comedian. And, but, but you know, the funny thing was, well, first I better get back to how we got up there. Uh, we talked about it, and neither one of us thought anything's going to happen, and so we decided we'd do it because we got a free trip to New York. <laughs> and that yeah, was it. Not? We go up there, we do the six minutes. We'll come back to L.A. and starve some more and hope for something to happen. Well, they did the show the night before, setting up with the camera crew and all that to get the camera angles and and the boom mics and all that. And they had a they had a crowd. Sam cleared the room the night before they <laughs> they recorded it. Everybody walked out on him. The crew probably would have walked out if they hadn't got paid. Like, were they and, offended? Uh, so Sam or... comes off and. Well, either offended or didn't like it, or I've seen Sam clear out a few uh, (laughs) few comedy clubs, and uh, 
But I remember Sam goes over to Rodney and says, hey, I can't get going in six minutes. And so Rodney tells him, tomorrow night you're going to kill. You're going to kill tomorrow night, I'm telling you. You'll kill. Well, the next night come, and Rodney was absolutely right. That six minutes uh, totally changed his life. Wow. I mean, in in a week after he was on there, and it it showed, uh, I signed a four-special deal with HBO. I signed a four-record deal with Warner Brothers. I signed uh, three appearances on uh, Saturday Night Live. I mean, it, it wow, just, he just blew up. All that within a week. That's yeah. how he And when I try to get these guys, when I try to get these guys to, uh, you know, do something with Sam to start with, they'd always go after laughing their ass off, and then they'd go, "Well, we we don't know what to do with him." But after seeing him for six minutes on HBO, they all decided they knew what to do with him, and so uh, mm-hmm. that was. That was the beginning. That was when he hit it. Yeah, I mean, he, it sounds like he blew up. But he was always a controversial figure. Um, what was his deal oh, yeah. with, with Bobcat Goldthwait? I, I watched this interview with Bobcat. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. do you know what, Bill? It's on, um, it's on YouTube. I'll send you it. Bobcat Goldthwait still has a feud with Sam. He's still into it. And I read that he also had a feud with Whoopi Goldberg, too. Oh, yeah. Oh yes, yeah. so what... Sam. If he didn't have if he if he didn't have trouble going with somebody, he created. But the Goldthwait <laughs> thing, the reason I laugh so much is uh, Sam never thought about Goldthwait. You know yeah. that was yeah. I you mean... know they were on they were in two different area codes, man. I mean, he never thought anything about it, and so uh, no one came to Sam's show and thought they were going to see Goldthwait. But a lot of people went to Goldthwait show thinking they were going to see Sam, and when they didn't, uh, it was it was rough sledding. <laughs> yeah, see that that had to no piss him politely. off. <laughs> well, it it did piss him off. <laughs> oh, he's still Bill. He is still very bitter about it. Believe me. Oh, I know. I know. I owned a I owned a theater in up in California, and so I thought, oh, I'll have, I have Goldthwait come up perform. He wouldn't even talk to me. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but uh, then the other thing with Goldthwait was is that uh, Sam and Sylvester Stallone were best friends. Yeah. Was, they lived uh... like a mile from each other, and uh, they were best friends. Well, Goldthwait, I guess, goes on Stern or somewhere, and he starts trashing uh, Stallone's movies that that Stallone never even went in the service or anything. And this so I is remember not a wise uh, one... move, is it? No, no. <laughs> so I remember one uh, one morning, I think Goldthwait was on there and uh, on Stern, and so Howard calls Sam and Sylvester's there. <laughs> and Sylvester starts telling him, I'm going to beat your ass the first time I ever see you, man. <laughs> And uh, and so Sam Rambo. was always loyal to his friends, so that was you know that was the Goldthwait period. And then the wars, the Whoopi Goldberg thing mm-hmm. is Sam was dating Penny Marshall oh, of Laverne and Shirley, and uh, which I could not figure out. I said, "Dude, I'd have took Shirley." <laughs> I went and got with Penny. <laughs> yeah, Laverne. I, I well, know. it's the truth. <laughs> And then Sam's telling me, you know, man, I, you know, I did an L and Coke off of her breast and all that. And I go, I don't even want that visual. 
And so anyhow, there, uh, she gets, she's directing uh, Jumpin' Jack Flash. Oh, yeah. And so Sam, Sam and her are dating, and so uh, she wants Sam to be the guy that's on the phone and all that kind of stuff and to be in the movie. And Whoopi says, if he's doing it, I won't do it. And so uh, that started that. And then I love, I love, because, you know, Whoopi Goldberg now is supposed to be this political genius or whatever, going to give us advice on politics. Well, back in those days, she was wanting to have a fist fight with Sam out in front of the comedy store. <laughs> so that was, uh, and then she is also on Comic Relief, her and, and, uh, Oh, let's see. You had Robin and Billy Crystal. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, Billy and Woo and Whoopi would not, you know, they wouldn't let them have Sam on there. Even they wouldn't even invite him, invite him as you know to sit in the audience. <laughs> and here is the guy that for six straight years had the Concert of the Year award from Billboard for the for sellouts and yeah. everything else. And uh, so her and Crystal, Robin and Sam were very, very close friends, but Crystal and uh, Whoopi uh, kept him off of comic relief. And so, you know, Sam really didn't like that. I could understand. uh, Jealousy. Well, well, I think also, I mean, Sam was associated with like Howard Stern and that whole crowd. And Howard Stern was also, you know, stigmatized. Like people (laughs) were trying to avoid him like the plague. But I mean, they had that huge cult following, you know? And I think like people like Billy Crystal and Whoopi. You know, pride. They jealous. don't. They well, don't have a cult what? following. Let's put it. That's to put it politely. They don't have a cult following. Do no, they? he does. He does. Billy Crystal. I still do deals. This guy has been. He's going to be dead for thirty years next year. Oh no, Sam and does. I, I was still, saying Whoopi Goldberg and I'm, Billy Crystal don't don't have the same level of talent that Sam and uh, oh, no. Howard Stern. Well, yeah, I think not, what really. Mm. I think what upset them was is that. You know, they're playing, you know, a club or a theater somewhere. Sam was playing uh, civic centers. He was drawing five to 10,000 people a night. Wow. Sam played the uh, giant stadium in New Jersey. Wow. And drew 83,000 people. Good God, A stand-up yeah. with a microphone. Yeah, I mean, it's unheard of. He was the of. very first... I don't care what Dice Clay says. Sam was the first stand-up comedian that ever sold out Madison Square Garden. But the very next night in terrible weather and on a Tuesday night, uh, he went to the Nassau Coliseum in New Jersey and sold out 17,000. Wow. And so, you know, when you got somebody up there, you know, playing at a club, and then you see Sam, (laughs) who's... There's nobody like him. He's not doing a, an act like anybody else. He's offensive. He's rude. He's loud. Everything you want to say about him. And uh, I thought I did. Uh, I did a. I think it was two years ago. I did a documentary called "I Am Sam Kennison. And uh, Ted Nugent said something on there that I thought was really interesting, or I thought was just it was true. And he said, Sam, well, they were best, they were close friends. And he goes, Sam was playing the same venues as the rock bands. Yeah. I mean, with no pyrotechnics, 
nothing else but a microphone, and he was playing the same venues and drawing the same number of people that we were. And that's really saying something. No, I mean, he crossed the line into becoming, like, rock star status, Sam Kinison. And you can yep. kind of see that with, like, well, you know, I'm just going to talk about the Wild Thing video. I mean, he had every rocker in that video. Yeah, every rocker in L.A. At oh, the yeah. Time. yeah. <laughs> and he was friends with all of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he hung out he with those guys. He was friends with all of them. Yeah, he, he oh, yeah. Well, definitely more, was a rock It's more star. like they hung out with him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, back then, what, what's serious. one of your... He just, what was one of your favorite memories of hanging out with Sam? I mean, he must have got laid a lot. And, and we all both know he did a hell of a lot of drugs. Uh, yeah, those, uh, those I'm just, I just thank God that TMZ and all those people weren't around back then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking back I to mean, hearing they're... him on Stern and the stories he would tell on Stern were just insane. And all true. <laughs> Yeah, so, and was, all true. Was it difficult as you're his manager? I mean, how hard was he to like manage? Well, it's like babysitting a two year old. <laughs> it like was. Uh, I ended blow. up with shingles. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I read that you got I, uh, shingles. Yeah, from, from the, the stress. stress. <laughs> I ended up in divorce. Oh man. And uh, and it wasn't me running around because I had to take care of business. We'd be in Vegas. And, uh, you know, and I was a, I'm a day person. I'm a morning person. And I'd get up to go golf and Sam would be coming in from partying all night. And it was so funny because Sam would be going, hey, brother, I'll see you later. I'm going to bed. Have a good night. And I'm going, hey, good morning, man. Have a good day. (laughs) So it was, uh, but you you talk about uh, memories and and uh, different things. I'll, I'll give you. I'll, I'll say I did not know uh, athletes. He was not athletic at all. He wasn't interested in athletics. And so Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, wow. with a <laughs> big number of other uh, athletes, uh, were big fans. And I and I grew up being an athlete. Anyhow, so Kareem and I got to be friends. And we were playing the comedy store one night in the big room and. So Kareem had, had come with another big white guy named Frank Brokowski who got traded the next day to the San Antonio Spurs. And he comes to me and he goes, hey, Bill, yeah, I'm really a big fan of, of Sam's and I've seen him several times. Is there any way I could meet him? And I said, sure, Kareem. I said, uh, you know, when the show's over, uh, you and, and Frank come here and I'll have the guys, uh, when he's ready to see people, I'll have them take you in because uh, I've got to take care of I got to settle up the show and all that stuff. Of course. No problem. Well, I played basketball. It was one of the things I played. And uh, I start hearing Sam. I'm in this office settling up the show. And I hear <laughs> Sam yelling, Bill, Bill, somebody get my brother. Bill. <laughs> so I'm sitting there thinking, oh, shit, what the hell? So I get up and I go in here. Now, Abdul-Jabbar really wasn't 7'2". He was about 7'5". <laughs> okay. Big guy. Yeah. yeah no, and I go massive. in and I go, what, 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 what's going on, Sam? And he goes, uh, this guy says he plays basketball. I told him maybe you and him get a game sometime. And he's talking about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> playing playing <laughs> basketball. He has no idea. <laughs> Yeah, has no idea who he is. Never heard and of him. And so I, I look up at Kareem. 
I look up at Kareem and I'm going, oh, Kareem, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry. He just doesn't, you know, he doesn't know athletes and all that. And I remember Kareem looking down at me, way down at me. Seven five. And, uh, and laughing and laugh. Yeah. And I'm five, five. Yeah. But I remember him looking down at me and laughing. He goes, Bill, you know how refreshing it is that he's probably the first person that I've ever been around since high school that didn't know who I was. <laughs> wow, and that's so hilarious. So then the other, you know, the, the, on the other side of the coin was Sam knew all these rockers and everything. Well, we were doing yeah, a show at the China are. Club. Yeah, yeah, well, that too. <laughs> and, uh, and we, uh, I go down and I'm going to, uh, Oh, I'm trying to think of his name now, but I go down and I go down. I say, "Where's Sam at?" I say, "Down in the office." I go down there. And there's this guy. Who looks like a dealer, and uh, you know, and they're doing blow off of the desk before the show and stuff. And I'm like, "Hey, pal, time for you to go." And uh, so he just kind of looking at me, and Sam's Sam's already buzzed. <laughs> and he's going, "He don't know. He don't know, man." <laughs> and I'm going. I, I don't know what you don't know. I said, well, okay, I guess I don't, I don't know, but if you're not out of here in about 10 seconds, I'm going to throw you through that door. Time for you to leave. You don't know, man. You don't know. And I go, what don't I know? And I'm trying to think of what his name was on the wall. Pink Floyd, the guitar player. Oh, oh man. I can't Gilmore. think of David Gilmore. David Gilmore. Who? No, uh, no, not him. Oh, wait, wait, wait. What's his name? It can't uh, be. Sid Barrett would have been dead by then. Yeah. Um, no, it would have been. I'm trying to think of his name right now. Was it um, Roger Waters? No. Ah, shit. I'll think of it when we hang up. That's the uh, anyway, how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> well, the name means nothing to me because yeah. I didn't know rockers. Yeah. I didn't grow up, you know, liking the music that Sam did. And uh, anyhow, I finally, you tell me this is such and such fucking such and such and such. So I go, well, nice to meet you. Whatever <laughs> the name is, time for you to get out of here. And then he tells me who the guy is. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm, out Pink Floyd. <laughs> I'm, I'm really, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was he was friends with every band at that time. Like he knew all those guys. No, he was Guns and Roses, Motley Crue, every single every he was he was peers with those guys, the biggest rock bands in the world. Oh yeah, and God, that must have been just a crazy time to party with him. And I know Howard Stern really admired Sam Kinison. I mean, they were definitely very close. Um, did you ever go on the Stern well, show? Oh yeah, I've been on there probably about fifty times with Sam, and then after Sam oh, died, wow. oh. um, you know Howard. When Sam died, Howard called me, and uh, and he told me he said I'm not coming to the memorial service out of L.A. because I think all those guys are fucking hypocrites and and everything. But uh, he said I want to tell you something. And at first, it threw me off. He said uh, Sam was my best friend. No, no. I know I wasn't his best friend, oh. but he was my best friend. Oh. And at first I'm thinking, what the hell is he talking about? 
And then I thought about it, and I thought, man, that's really observant because he was right. I mean, they were very, very close friends, and he probably was Howard's best friend. But Sam had other friends that he probably considered, you know, closer than Howard. And then Howard did tell me, he said, if you write a book, I'll write the forward for you. So I said, well, I'm going to. And he did. So... Wow, that, yeah, Howard's that's, a good guy. Yeah. I love Howard. Yeah, I've I love Howard Stern. Always he's been had inspired. Nothing. Yeah, always and been inspired. And he said by nothing Howard but Stern. good things about Sam. Even now, like I was reading a quote like recently about how much saying where he said how much he loves Sam. I think that you know, thirty years after someone has died, to still have those same feelings for them, that really does show, like, the strength of their relationship. Shows how much of an effect he had. Well, you know, of course. Yeah, he's still he's still. Uh, Howard still on every April 10th, if he's on the air, does a, uh, you know, the whole show's about Sam. And his appearances on there, he'll play appearances and stuff. Howard's been, he's been a very, very, very good friend. I, I love Howard. He's so, a good guy. So Sam died at the young age of 38, very untimely, uh, April yeah. 10th, 1992. Um, so he was, what exactly happened? He was driving a car to Vegas, right? And he was struck by a truck? It was driven by a kid? Well, like actually, a teenager? yeah. Yeah, actually, actually, we were going to a Laughlin. A Laughlin? And I just, he just got married 10 days before. And, uh, uh, or actually, five days before he got married. They went to Hawaii for a quick honeymoon, and then he took the red eye back. And uh, Sam didn't like to fly. He always thought he was going to get killed flying. So <laughs> yes. whenever he didn't have to, he didn't. That didn't quite work out, by the way. And uh, so he was he he called me that morning and and uh, said, you know, I'll I'll meet you. We're gonna I'll drive to Laughlin and I'll meet you at Barstow. So I said, all right. And so uh, we did, and then we talked for a while. But he he was there was strange stuff like uh, just before we got on the river road of which he got killed on. Uh, he had to get some gas, so we pulled off the gas and and had the security guy in the opening act and all that. And I was in a van because I didn't want to on Sunday. I didn't want to have to stay there. I could drive back home, and uh, so I was in a van. And uh, so while they were filling up and everything, he goes, "I want them to take everything out of my car." And I go, "Sam, hmm. we're 20 miles from Laughlin." And he goes, I don't care. I want him to take everything out of out of my car. So I tell him, hey, empty out his car and put the stuff here in this van. And then he had this little dog called Russo that uh, he took everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then he tells me, I haven't put Russo in the van. I'm like, what? You know what? Mm-hmm. What's going on? And I remember him telling me, he said, you know, I was thinking. I've achieved every goal that I set out to achieve. So I've got to set some new goals. Hmm. And then we talked about business because I, I was going to, which I was going to do, but, you know, he got killed, but I was going to change yeah. our booking agent and stuff like that. Anyway, now he gets, he gets in the car. Well, he always followed me because either he was smoking out and didn't know where he's going, so he followed me. But this time, he pulled out in front of me. Oh. And uh, we went about, I guess, 3.2 miles on a river road. And uh, 
it was the sun was starting to go down. It was dusk, and I could look, I could look ahead, and so could Sam. And there was we could see a pickup truck over in our lane. It was busy, and uh, he was passing cars. And so I, Sam couldn't hear me, but I'm in the van with the security guy and in the opening act, and I'm going, uh, "Slow down, Sam. Let this guy back in." Slow down. And so Sam slowed down to probably 15 miles an hour. And right at the last second, this guy, this kid gets back, you know, back over in his lane. So we had, I'm sure Sam did too, but I, I had a moment of relief. And then the, what we didn't see was there was another pickup right behind him. And, uh, and he hit him head on. Oh, wow. And, People drive so, so fast on those desert highways, too. Well, they were there were three trucks. They were all teenagers. The kid that hit him was 17. And uh, they were racing to Arizona, and whoever got there first didn't have to buy beers or something. And that's why they were in such a hurry. And uh, so I slid the van up next to the as close as I could to his car so I could get there quick. And the security guy was trying to open the door and I guess just the adrenaline kicked in or something. And so I jerked the door open and he was sitting in, in his seat and except for it looks like if somebody would have took their four fingers and scratched his forehead, he didn't look, uh, you know, bad. We never, we yeah. didn't know he was dying until he died. And, uh, Anyhow, I opened the door, and so he starts saying, why? Why now? Why? Yeah. And so I told him, I said, Sam, just lay still. We got help on the way, which we didn't because it was a dead area back then for your cell phones. I got his and mine, and I'm trying to get 911. And uh, so he started scooting out of the car. Well, he weighed 280 pounds, so this, you know, <laughs> if he wanted out, there wasn't anything we could do about it. So uh, we laid him right there next on the ground next to the door, and uh, then I went to the van, which is really like like five feet away, and I'm still trying to call 911. But I noticed this dog, Russo, who ordinarily, because he's totally untrained, he'd be gone. Van doors are all open. He'd be gone, and he's got his paws on the dash, and he's, like, looking over Sam's head. And that got my attention. I'm thinking, man, that is weird. And then you know how you'll say something without thinking? And uh, security guy in his opening act was was uh, there with him, and then I was, like I said, trying to call about five feet away. And, uh, and so Sam... Uh, First, he said, uh, it was like, he wasn't afraid, it was like he was negotiating. And oh, he's wow. going, I don't want to die. Mm-hmm. I don't want to die. And he's just laying there on the highway. And then right? finally, yeah, 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 well, he ended up with a broken neck, fractured skull. Oof. Anyhow, he goes, I don't want to die. And then he goes, okay, okay, okay. And that's it. Wow. Well, Big without piece. without even thinking, because again, we we don't we know he's hurt, and probably hurt bad. We didn't know he was dying. Yeah. And without even thinking, I go, "Is he still breathing?" And they uh, so they started freaking out, and I was like, "No, no, no, y'all. Who else knows? Eight, uh, 
Now, how to yeah. revive him besides me? I took CPR, and and uh, so the kid that hit him was a volunteer at a hospital. He said, I do. I said, well, get your ass over here. And uh, then we could hear the first the police come, and we were trying, but he was gone. Oh, he was gone. He was point. gone. And that was, that was it. Wow. I mean, he was one of those, like, larger-than-life personas that I wonder if, like, he even thought he'd ever hit 40, you know? No. No, no. He, he said his entire life he'd never see 40. Yeah, I have some friends like that. And, so that, was, what, and that was before he started partying. So his his <laughs> wife survived though, Malika. Malika Suri. Yeah. What whatever happened uh, to her? Well, uh, let's see. I wrote my book and she sued me, but she dropped her suit. Uh, she didn't uh, come to his funeral. Oh. Wow. oh. And yeah. Yeah, that sucks. And that's so simple. <laughs> well, she did. Um, I read that she was. Was she suing you for defamation? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's well, what I mean... she was suing me on the book that I had defamed her and uh, had invaded her privacy, which uh, neither one, neither one was true. I mean, yeah. I, I just, I just, I just wrote what. How it. You know what? What? But I was actually nice yeah. to her. Yeah. Yeah. If I if I wanted to load her up, I could have loaded her up. Oh, I, I said, no, I'm just gonna I'm gonna write an honest book, and and that's what we did. But she and I weren't friends, and I, for a year afterwards, when she needed money, she called me, and I'd you know I'd get her some money. I think I got her like two hundred fifty thousand in that year. And then after the after a year, I thought, wait a minute. I've done more for her than Sam would have done for my wife. <laughs> and uh, so next time she calls, I'm going to tell her, you know, that's it. Well, she called immediately and needed money. And I said, Malika, I didn't marry you. <laughs> we weren't friends before Sam died. So I don't know why you think we would be now. Yeah, there's no connection. But uh, I'm sorry you didn't make provisions for you. Because he was afraid if he got in insurance, he would die. And I said, I'm sorry he didn't make provisions for you, but it's not up to me to continue to to take care of you. I said, I'll give you over $250,000, and you've got nothing. So I'm, I'm done. I'm out. Well, she's not your responsibility and, uh, at that point. Or yeah. Ever, really. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so uh, that uh, – She's probably uh, she, bitter. We haven't talked – in years and years, and uh, I don't anticipate, you know, her ever contacting me. So, and I don't plan on contacting her. I read that like, his epitaph on his gravestone said that in another time and place he would have been called a prophet, and I can't think of anything more fitting than that. You know, um, yeah, I thought that was that was uh, that described him. He was still a very spiritual person. Yeah. And uh, he still believed, you know, he still was a believer, even even though, you know, his life didn't show that. It that's took not a different how course. He and I, believe. <laughs> yeah. I do just have to yeah. ask quickly, Bill, what's happened to his um, his beret and trench coat? Do you have them? Because I know he stole the trench yes. coat. <laughs> he stole the trench coat. Yes, oh, that's how great you that you that? still have them. That's wonderful. Yeah, I do. But how did you know that he, he stole it? 
I am a very big Sam Kinison fan, Bill. <laughs> I, I have like lots of crazy insider knowledge. But he stole it from him. Um, do you, do the, you remember the film Noir Legend? Do you remember who started. he stole it from? Yeah, what's the the actor's name? He's the film Noir Legend. He's still Richard, is he is it Richard Fairfax? Richard Widmark. That's it. Yeah, wow. he was yeah, rounding his daughter, wasn't he? He was fooling around. Yeah, he was dating his daughter, and he stole the jacket to um, wear on the HBO special of Rodney's to give him luck. Well, <laughs> after he hit, he hadn't given it back. Oh, it was he his. Giving it back, yeah, so. he he stole. Yeah, that. but man, it was uh, it was a costume because it was it was beat up, but he wore it and he wore it quite a while. Oh, that's I hilarious. love that you still have that. I love that. So, uh, Bill, your book is called Brother Sam, Brother The Short Sam. Spectacular Life of Sam Kinison. And your documentary, what's what's the name of your documentary? I Am Sam Kinison? Uh, the latest one was I Am Sam Kinison that you can uh, – Paramount bought the company, so you might be able to find them on there. Or I know you can, you can go on YouTube and see it. And you check it's it out a great, It's actually a great documentary. Well, I'm definitely going to yeah, check I've it out. It. Bill, thanks for being on the show. I mean, it was awesome talking to you. And a uh, hell of a life well, that both you. you and Sam have led, i got to say. It was an honor, Bill. Yeah, it was an honor having you on the show. Well, thank you. All right. Thank, it was my so pleasure long. to be on. All right. Thank yeah. you. Oh, thank Take you, care. Bill's awesome. That guy's rad. I fucking love Bill. He's so much like his brother as well. Just like little inflections. Just that laugh. Like the laugh is giggle. the same. The, yeah. And just, he's that, that, as that affable. same Kinnison giggle. And he's as affable as Sam as well. You can totally see why he's been in the business. And for... they're both, they were both pastors too. They were. Well, the amazing. Whole, yeah. The whole family was. They had another brother who killed, killed himself sadly. Kevin. I, I bet you Bill, Bill would have gone on, like if I didn't cut that off, probably for like two hours. Three hours. Just tell we're definitely gonna have, shit. Yeah, we're definitely going to have Bill back, and we should totally talk about Rodney Dangerfield, who is another one of my all-time favorite Okay, I love comedians. Rodney. Yeah, that guy. I fucking love Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield. I love uh, Bill's story about uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and how like <laughs> yes. Sam had no idea who that was. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, my brother. When my brother's in Chicago, this is like, I don't know, mid-90s maybe? This is right around when the Bulls won like what they, six championships in a row. Um, my brother was working at the manhole. Yeah. And this was like on like a Tuesday night or Wednesday night. And Dennis Rodman walks in with Carmen Electra because they were together oh. at that time. They both sit down. My brother, no idea, no clue who Dennis Rodman not even, was. And then not Dennis, even who Carmen Electra was. No, he didn't even know who she was either. He's just like, oh, this hot chick. And Dennis Rodman... You know, at this time, like he <laughs> yeah. wasn't a normal basketball player guy. He was like all tattooed. His hair was dyed, weird colors. He had piercings all over his face. No other basketball player looked like that. Not to mention, he's like seven foot tall. You know, yeah. and, and my brother, no clue who he was. He like goes up to him <laughs> and is just like, hey, what do you want? And uh, Rodman's just like not expecting this like nonchalant kind of burden. He's just like, uh, you don't know who I am, do you? And my brother is just like, funny looking black guy <laughs> with a hot chick and, and all the my brother's co-workers were dying because everyone yeah, recognized Dennis Rodman he's just like and Dennis Rodman starts laughing he's like 
motherfucker, there's a billboard. You go down the street, there's a billboard on a building with my face on it. And my brother's like, I don't know. That's going to be, you know, five bucks for your beer. <laughs> I think he was just him. shocked. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, does Robin. But it's the same kind of deal. Like, I bet you Sam Kinnis was like, I don't know who the fuck you are. Yeah. Play basketball with you if you want. <laughs> he knows every rock star in the, in the world at that time, though. That's yeah, currency yeah, no, I would did. rather take. Yeah, good that old Sam awesome. Kinison. I have so much love and affection for that man. People check out uh, Bill's doc on Sam. I am Sam Kinison. Um, he's also in. The, there's another recent Netflix documentary on Sam Kinison too that they interviewed Bill on. But uh, oh, that guy's great. Uh, this is. Is episode 785 here, Sick and Wrong. We have some news stories coming up next. We have some phone calls a little later in the show. But first, here's a word about our Patreon page. <laughs> Hey, Sick and Wrong listeners, if you're not a Sick and Wrong patron, then you might be missing out on special phone calls like this one. Wait, and, yeah, uh, I can't believe you'd just do that for five grand. I would like to know how many women on the Patreon would let a man fart in their face for $5,000. <laughs> Most would say at least 10. At least a tenner. At least 10 grand. <laughs> no, I think five grand is pretty reasonable, to be, to be fair. I mean, because it's only going to last a second, like if that. And then it, it's also, you know, you've got that story in your back pocket to like bring out at family events and dinners. Any family <laughs> event from then on, you've got this hook in this time. And probably some of the women on the Patreon are married. And I imagine that their fart, fucking husbands just fart in front of them for free. Yeah, at but least probably not what they're money. Probably not what they're tossing their set like tossing a salad that's tossing intimate that's salad. intimate and then you get a fart right <laughs> in your face times. all right what about okay what about rupert grint who is rupert grint ron weasley from Harry Potter. Ew! <laughs> i do have a fucking have juliani's ginger fart in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. oh god no wait you would rather have juliani than a ginger fart yeah <laughs> of course now, now the that's the poll. Chuck Berry at the top, then Giuliani, <laughs> then Giuliani, then. And then if the ginger fucker wants to fart in my mouth, then I'm it's ten grand. Ten grand for the ginger. <laughs> yeah. Price goes up for that ugly fuck. For just five dollars, you can hear the rest of this phone call, a bonus news story, and about an hour's worth of outtakes every week at patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Sign up today, support the show, and keep it sick and wrong. First story we have here came in from Tim. Tim wrote, sick and wrong on so many levels here. It's not an understatement, Tim. Tim. It's not an understatement. (laughs) A cage fighter who murdered his ex-girlfriend and tried to kill her 15-year-old lover was jailed for life. Yeah, Tim's right. Yeah. <laughs> Sick or wrong on many levels. Paul Robson, 50 years old, was arrested six days after he subjected his former partner, Carolyn Kale, who's 47, to 60 injuries during an attack in her home in Linton, Northumberland. As, so she, uh, she's 47 and she's shagging a 15 year old. So she's a pedophile. What the fuck, She's man? definitely a pedo, yeah. Yeah, she's proper nonce. Well, she's got some. Uh, she's got some issues. I mean, dating this ex-con, dating this fifteen-year-old, this ex-con with anger management issues, and then cheating on him with a juvenile. <laughs> a well, minor. to be fair, in Linton it is a shithole. Um, yeah, I was about to ask that: Is Linton a shithole? <laughs> 
Well, by the sounds of it, <laughs> look, yeah, it is. Sounds like it. Um, Robson had knocked Miss Kale to the floor in a brutal and cruel attack, and then he repeatedly kicked her in the head with his heavy work boots. Then he took a pair of scissors to her lifeless body, cut off her hair, and slashed her buttocks. Oh, I now, thought he was is... going to do a, a Glasgow, a, a Black Dahlia Cheshire cat. Oh, Glasgow smile. Um, During the frenzied attack, he stabbed and bit Mrs. Kale's 15-year-old lover, this teenager here, uh, who they don't name. But he stabbed and bit him 45 times. Oh, my word. But the teenager survived. Yeah. Why do you have to bite him? This this guy's like an MMA fighter. He's in prison. He's an MMA fighter. He's biting a 15-year-old kid. Do you know what? It's... That's also kind of gay and pedophilic of him. Um, <laughs> he's biting him. I think it's just, yeah. I think it's pure rage. It is pure rage, but he's still yeah. putting his wet, salivating mouth onto onto another man. Well, a boy, onto another boy. It's it, gay. It didn't say where it's... he bit him either. Well, he bit, him, bit 45 him 45 times. Probably 45. bit him in the taint. <laughs> so you're obsessed with the taint lately. <laughs> <laughs> You got taint on the brain. That's all you think about. It could have been the scrot. Scrot in the taint. The scrot, dude. You could have totally bit a scrot. <laughs> I'm sure you've bit many a scrot before. No, you've got to be delicate with the scrot. You can like, you can suck on it a little, but you just should never bite a scrot. It's not nice. No, it's, it's, a, it's a horrible thing to do. Um, as well as murdering his ex-girlfriend, he's also found guilty of trying to kill this teenager and blackmailing Carolyn over her illicit relationship with his child. Well, see, I kind of have no problem with that. But yeah, yeah, he, yeah. why did he not turn her in? She's a nonce. She's noncing about with a 15-year-old. Like, yeah, that's, that's what I don't disgusting. understand. It's like, why didn't he just turn her in? I mean, she'd have been, been embarrassed for life. She would have, like, have ruined her relationship and her career. That almost would have been a better revenge than stomping her head in and, and murdering can, her. If you found out that one of your exes was noncing about, would you not just instantly turn them in? Because I would. Yeah, why not? Well, I, mean, I would just be disgusted at that type of behavior. You'd be a pariah. It's like, well, yeah, but I mean, it, that's the thing. You'd be like on Facebook and be like, yeah, yeah, she's. A, but you know what, though? I think this guy, it's a pride thing. I think he's just like, wow, she cheated on me with a 15 year old. 15 year olds. Yeah, know? I can definitely see that being a pride thing, especially in Northumberland. He was sentenced to 35 years for attempted murder and five years for blackmail, all three sentences running concurrently. Uh, Robson showed no reaction whatsoever when the sentences were read out in court. I love the name of the justice. Justice Lavender. I wonder if he wears like a purple coat. And he's like, Justice Lavender. He looks like Don Knotts. I can imagine him sounding like <laughs> Lindsey Graham, though. Just being very fey. You'd have to be with a name like that. Justice Lavender. Lavender. Yeah. <laughs> he's got like a purple gavel. I imagine more like a purple kind of wig as well. <laughs> oh, you think he's got like a feather wig, like a feathered back wig? Oh, he could do, yeah. Or like, a, or like, a, like yeah. one of those Victorian era ones. Well, all the all the judges here obviously have to wear the wigs. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, so yeah, I yeah. imagine his, instead of being the color gray, is maybe he's dyed it like a pastel lavender. Oh, I can Why see not? that. Like a light lavender. That could work. Yes, very nice. Um, Justice Lavender said, this is almost a double murder. As he jailed <laughs> Robson for life. 
That's how he sounds. That's, That's totally how he sounds. How he sounds. Um, the prosecutor said that the boy, the 15-year-old boy who had been bitten and stabbed, had been left deeply traumatized by these attacks. His no mother shit. said he's very affected by what occurred to him. Uh, probably not going to date 50-year-old women anymore. Yeah. I mean, date, probably, date a girl your own age, you fucking... Oh, imagine being his maid. 15-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, because your, your mates don't give you the best advice. I think your mates are just like, well, you know, you probably only get the tits of that one, but that one you're going to be doing doggy style. See, what, yeah, I was going to say, what do British people do to their mates? It's banter, in it? He is going to oh, be so yeah, yeah, banter-bullied yeah. by all his mates about the 45-year-old cooch that his cock has been in. doesn't matter that he's been nonced. All his mates are making jokes about this. <laughs> well, it's kind of like when Twisted Firestarter lost his virginity. She was probably <laughs> yeah. in the 40s. Yeah, you know? but I mean, his was a, he was above age, and it was a controlled circumstance. Yeah, it wasn't this just is something completely different, but you so know that all his mates are going to be like, how oh, is, get you... <laughs> You've shagged a granny. He's a granny fucker. <laughs> well, she was probably his teacher. She's a teacher. Um, so this harrowing evidence that the jurors had to hear led the judge, Justice Lavender, to excuse them from further jury duty service for 10 years, for a decade. Well, Isn't that crazy? That would never happen here in this country. I've never, I've never been to jury, but I'm, I Should don't want to go. Wood. Because British courts are not like the British justice system is not like America courts. It's very, very dry and boring over here. Unless you land a trial like that, it's very, very boring. Here so it's I've all never Judge Judy. Oh, yeah, I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> no, here, yeah, you don't want to do jury duty because it takes forever. It's fucking boring. And if you get, you know, like, uh, God forbid you get on fucking call for a murder trial, it can last months. And yeah, they and you barely get, you get paid like a pittance. Now it fucking sucks. I, yeah. I don't even know what I would do if I got sucked for jury duty. I would I, just say I'm biased. Yeah, I'd just, just be like, no, just go in OJ, there and, OJ did it. Yeah, he or did just it. be like my father was in the KKK or something. Yeah. Um, Northumbria police said that Robson had uh, been wanted on recall to prison when he murdered Miss Kale, having failed to attend a, a meeting with his probation officer. Um, the defendant was a well-built and powerful man, and he decided that night Instead of meeting with his probation officer, he was going to confront Carolyn about her relationship with this teenager. Isn't Kale also an unfortunate last name? Kale. Well, it's not spelled like uh, the vegetable. I know, but it's, it's said like that, isn't it? Miss Kale. <laughs> How is Miss um, Kale? Before he went over to Miss Kale's house, uh, he went to home base. And he bought two okay. bottles of ammonia, a pack of screwdrivers, a pair of pliers, and an adjustable wrench. Right? All very odd. (laughs) Uh, The murder victim here, Carolyn Kale, told white lies about her illicit relationship she had with the prisoner, Robson, and the illegal one she had with the underage boy. She's filled with secrets. The boy. She's filled with (laughs) secrets. Like, I don't want to slut shame, but she definitely seems to be lacking sound judgment, and she's a nonce. Yeah, you can slut shame and honesty, which is exactly what she is. Yeah. Um, She had previously worked as a social worker... And what? Uh, a police officer in Cumbria, a prison officer, and then she was a teacher behind bars. And then, then eventually she moved into a school role as a teacher at a local school in, L- in, uh, in uh, was it Northumberland? Linton? Let me tell you, on the mean streets of Cumbria, I bet she saw some shit, man. 
she must have seen so much shit that it turned her into a nonce on the street the mean streets the mean of streets of cumbria she, yeah. all the crime that occurs all the crime that occurs in cumbria man she's seen it all she's seen and done it all in her career well so she met her first husband ian kale in 2002 and he was a uh, security guard at the uh, prison um robson the convict here claimed that he had a secret relationship with her during his two stints in jail the second of which continued after he was released but her husband um claimed had no idea about uh, about any of this relationship with Robson, and he said he was on good terms with her after they separated, and they would still meet up every few weeks. What a cuck, oh. this guy. A total cuck, because she is not a trustworthy character at all. Well, well, I mean, would you associate with, with your ex if you knew, uh, like, she cheated on you with a convict in prison? Yeah, that's totally against, like, her job rules as well. No, I'd be like, you've, you're fucked up, lady. No, I mean, you would would not. And I I just, I mean, not to mention, if your ex cheated on you anyway, why would you hang out with her? Yeah, it's shit times. It reminds me of, uh, do you ever see that uh, that miniseries on HBO, Escape from Danamura? No, but I've heard about it. Oh, it's so good. Um, Who who did that? Uh, What's his name? You're Uh, asking wrong person. I not see it. God, I'm blanking on his name right now. Famous. He was in, um, there's something about Mary. Oh God! That that was his movie. Oh, Ben Stiller. Stiller did this. Stiller directed it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but it's a true story. It's about uh, two inmates, Richard Matt and David Sweat, um, who David became Sweat. yeah David Sweat. He was like this kind of like really skinny white guy, and the other guy, uh, Richard Matt, was kind of this like swarthy looking Italian dude. Um, oh. They became entangled in the life of this married female prison employee. Oh, Tilly I know Mitchell. this story. Yeah, and they both yes. were shagging her, and she oh, helped them yeah, escape yeah. from prison. And it was just about their life on the run. But the husband knew about it. The husband knew about it and stayed with her. I think they're still together to this day. Yeah, well, what an idiot. Idiot, you know what? Fools find fools, don't they? I forget who played uh, David Sweat, but Benicio Del Toro played uh, Richard Matt. He was so good. He was so good. He is... He is suave and he is sexy. And for everyone who wants to see his penis, if you watch Jaman Jaman, it's in that. <laughs> Just to let everyone know. <laughs> I'm, I'm writing that down. How do you spell it? Um, <laughs> he heard a rumor, the husband here, that she had been seen with Robson. And he asked, I asked Carolyn if the rumors were true. And she said no. And uh, she was really upset that he had asked her if she was sleeping around with this prisoner. It's, it reminds me, do you know Robson Green? You ever heard of him? He no, was in Robson that? and Jerome. It's a, he's a very famous Geordie character. Um, I wonder if he, well, it's obviously Robson Green. But he has actually a really, really, really good um, fishing show. He goes around <laughs> the world being a canny fisher, champion eye. Robson Green, very British. Robson Green. A, a very Geordie, a proud Geordie fellow. So um, she ended up uh, continuing this relationship with Robson. She was. So the husband divorced her, said he had no idea... You know, and still maintain contact with her, but she was like, she had a relationship with the convict during his two stints in prison. And even when she got, when he was out of prison, they continued to be in a relationship. But eventually, he broke up with her, and uh, they were off and on for like a long time, like over ten years. And then oh, wow. uh, when they finally broke up with her, she started an illegal sexual relationship with a fifteen-year-old boy. What the fuck? Yeah, and she would claim that he was her godson. If anyone what the asked. fuck? That is so fucking sick. <laughs> that is nonsery. No, it's total nonsery. Um, 
Robson then discovered that Carolyn, who had been working as a teacher at the school, had begun this relationship with a teenager. Doesn't say how he found out, but he found out, and that uh, drove him nuts. He also claimed, he also, this is the, this is the time where he was like, oh, this is an opportunity to make some money. And so he decided yeah. to extort her. And he, he uh, uh, texted her, threatening to ruin her, ruin her entire life if she didn't pay him. And so he began sending her threatening texts demanding money, demanded 35,000 pounds. Um, Nobody she, in Northumberland does that type of money. Well, she did. She owned her own home. She, like, mortgaged her home, got a second mortgage on her house, paid this guy oh, off. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. What would you well, do? Would you tell her. your ex to fuck off if he was like, I'm going to ruin you? Uh, at this point, I would realize I'm a fucking nonce, and I would probably just go and turn myself in, to be honest. I'd, I'd go Rather to than the pay police. him off? Rather than fucking pay him off, I just he's a dangerous character. He's a big, burly fucking man. He's going to well, come and get you. She handed over life savings, 29,000 pounds, but the vicious brute hatched a plan to wreak even more violent revenge. So the money wasn't even didn't even satisfy him. He was like, I'm going to go... I'm a, he was out for bloodlust at this time. So he oh, went cause. on November 15th. He drove 150 miles from Glasgow, where he'd been staying with a friend, to Linton. And uh, CCTV caught him prowling and snooping around Carolyn's house. He later messaged one of her friends to say, I went up there, and I saw them cuddle up on the sofa oh. watching telly. He said they were watching a show called Two Pints of Lager and a Packet of Crisps. <laughs> Outdated. They don't even show that on the telly anymore. That's like you have to fucking watch that on BBC Three. What the fuck? That telly show will be older than he is. <laughs> I'm joking. I made that up. <laughs> oh, have you have you ever actually seen it? No, but I've, I've heard about it. It's just it's just it's such a dumb name for a show. What? It, well, it's not when you're British, mate. Two That's pints of lager and a packet of crisps. Two crisps. You'll generally, generally order that. I've ordered that. Well, what, like, did you ever watch that show? Uh, no, I didn't like it. It wasn't my sense of humor. But people love that show. People, people say it's one of the worst it. British sitcoms. Yeah, but I think that's why people love it because it's so bad. It's good. <laughs> but it's was it was me. it about just like a bar, like British Cheers or something? Um, kind of. But you would go into like their flats, and it was like a kind of sitcommy situation. Nowhere near as good as Cheers. Better than the EastEnders. Classic. Uh, EastEnders is a totally different beast. Oh, completely different. different beast. Um, that's what they probably were watching. It was probably EastEnders. Still on, right? Um. Yeah, EastEnders is still on. I don't think a 15-year-old was um, watching EastEnders. They were probably watching, like, Harry Hill. I'm going to say they were watching a rerun of Harry <laughs> Harry Hill. So, um, so uh, Robson here sees him cuddling up on the TV watching two pints of lager and a packet of crisps, and he's enraged. <laughs> he had with him a locksmith bar, a GPS car tracker, screwdrivers, the pneumonia, and then he entered the house by some rear pe- uh, patio doors, and he brutally attacked Carolyn with a meat What's cleaver. What's the ammonia for? He sprayed like them s- both with ammonia, like to after he splash like, in their faces. Yeah, after yeah, he had okay. uh, you know viciously stabbed them. Um, but she, the uh, the boy was upstairs actually smoking a cigarette, and so he attacked Carolyn with a meat cleaver and scissors and kitchen knife, stabbed her, cut off her hair, stomped on her head and neck, slashed her buttocks. He then went upstairs and assaulted the uh, the 15-year-old, leaving him with 45 injuries, some of them bite marks, and uh, covered in blood. The lad told the jury, he gets scissors and comes into the room, and he is on my back, not saying anything, and I said, whoa, 
What's that about, mate? But he's on my back and he's canny heavy. What does that mean? Canny heavy. Canny heavy. He's he's heavy. He's a big lad. I look, you know this is you know these are Geordies. They're not that's English. The only, that's the only English accent I can do. All right. Yeah. Cut me some slack here, your, Kate. You need to work on your fucking Geordie <laughs> I, accent. I can, I can Why can I barely even do an, a regular English <laughs> accent. Not to mention a regional English accent. Well, you'd be. I've lived next next door to Northumbria, and I've been to Newcastle many many times. So you think I'd be able to do even one iota of Newcastle? But I can't. <laughs> can he do it yet? Well, he's canny heavy. He couldn't get him off. He took hold of his shoulders. He stabbed him. He's holding oh. me with one hand, stabbing me with the other. I was fighting with him. I was saying, whoa. <laughs> what if he's doing it like dancing? Like, whoa. Whoa. Um, he gets up and he says, don't move or I'll kill you. And he came back with a bigger blade, a seven-inch blade. Oh, he I stabbed me in the nice back. Spoony before. Stabbed me a few, <laughs> few more times in the struggle. Um, the teenager then was dragged downstairs by the attacker, and he saw oh. Mrs. Kale lying on the floor face down. And he added that he went over and started cutting more of her hair off. Um, then he went and grabbed the meat cleaver from the kitchen drawer and just hit him in the head, hit the boy in the head twice. Knocked oh, him out. Ouch. Knocked him out, yeah. So a pathologist testified at the court that Miss Kale had 60 injuries and died from blunt force trauma to the head. Her brain was was found to be to have been so badly damaged by a lack of blood and oxygen that it was twisted violently inside the head, causing fiber damage. So I mean, he yeah, like he full on like curb stomped her. I know. I'm really wanting some kale crisps right now. I know it's a very white middle class <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> Every time you say kale, I'm just yeah, I'm just thinking about I'm like I should get some kale and stick that in in the oven with some fucking olive oil, baby. That's the boy had been good... stabbed and chomped and slashed. He had bite marks, defensive injuries. Um, and then after all of this, after murdering him and uh, brutalizing the boy, he grabbed their cell phones. He went out and he texted her former husband and a neighbor that she was friends with and let them know that she was shagging a 15-year-old. Uh, a boy wow. lover. Yeah. He had this guy. <laughs> Insult he... injury. This guy, if he had bigger <laughs> brains, could totally have got away with this because obviously like the vigilantes against pedophiles is a thing, you know, to catch a predator and all that. <laughs> so what he should have done instead oh, of attacking yeah, this have, innocent 15 year old is just gone, killed her and then said it was revenge killing because she is shagging a 15 year old. But obviously it's jealousy as well. Oh yeah, no, I mean, it's a fifteen-year-old. Yeah, 15... But he could have gotten away with this murder if he'd have found the right Jew lawyer in Northumberland. There's probably one. Are there he any? He could have gotten Are there away even with any this. Jews in Northumberland. Um. Well, your dad is from the north, and he was Jew. So yes, there is like some Jews knocking <laughs> Two. about here. Um, Two. <laughs> and they Robson. emigrated and went to South Africa. <laughs> Robson claimed in his defense statement that he was attacked from behind by the teenager while talking to Miss Kale. He said, I recall going into Carolyn's house, and we were arguing, and I was hit from behind on my head, and I fell forward, I felt something around my throat, and I felt so, so many different types of emotions, and I was sick, and I was scared, and I felt like everything was unraveling, and then I heard Carolyn was dead, and I was broken. Was he not? Was he broken? This, this guy is like six foot five, he's massive, and this 15-year-old boy did this to him. Like, could you imagine being on that jury? You'd be like, come a, again, you asshole. This guy has a, he's got a bad fucking lawyer, hasn't he? If I was his lawyer, I'd be like, no, 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 no. He's got this a massive not- set of uh, cojones, though. Huge balls. Yeah. Got to carry him in a wheelchair. 
Um, <laughs> He's straight, bro. So straight, bro. Yeah, this guy. Yeah, well, the defense didn't work. He was sentenced his life in prison, 35 years. Um, Judge Lavender said, there's no doubt he wanted to kill or permanently disfigure both of his victims. He succeeded in killing his former partner and has left his teenage victim scarred for life. Not only that, but he spent the days that followed trying to avoid pleas before attempting to pin Carolyn's murder on a vulnerable teenage sexy boy. <laughs> he didn't say that. Yes, he did. <laughs> I'm reading the call script now. That's what he said. <laughs> a vulnerable sexy, sexy boy with bite marks. <laughs> the uh, boy. <laughs> those actions that put the teenage victim, his family, and Carolyn's family through an ordeal of a trial. And I want to praise the bravery they've shown throughout these proceedings. What a, what a vile, vile man this guy is. Yeah. He God. is. He's a dumb, dumb, vile man. It's, it's, it's a weird story because you're kind of like conflicted with how you should feel. She's a, she's a nonce. She's she a nonce. I have very little sympathy for nonce. However, I don't think she deserved to have her head stomped in by this like brood of a man. You know? No. She deserved to. to but I think she deserved to go to prison. She did. You know, and but maybe. D, I, I also have mortified. a story about a terrible man from the north of England. What, what, what kind of story do you have here, Kay Rambo? I have a story about a husband who murdered his wife, chopped up her body, after she accidentally defrosted a three-pound bag of frozen chips. All right, well, that, I, you know, that's more understandable. You know, I can understand <laughs> being enraged over that than, you know, my wife There is a line a in this that is, that is very dewy, and you're going <laughs> to like it. You're gonna, when I come to this line, you're going to agree with it. Right. So a husband who murdered his wife and chopped up her body after she accidentally defrosted a bag of frozen chips. By the way, I've searched high and low to try and find out what brand of frozen chips this was, and I couldn't find it. All but right. he's been jailed for life. Are there you is... a fan of frozen chips? Not particularly, because oven chips aren't very nice. Never You'll... liked them. Never liked them, no. Yeah. You've got to have chips fresh. You've got to have them from a chippy, or you've got to have them from a takeaway. But yeah, sometimes in a pinch you'll have frozen chips, and I, the section of frozen chips in the supermarket is huge. They're, you know, the big news over here: we are the land of chips. We know what we're fucking doing. We have yeah, like twenty different types. Just, how do you make them? I mean, do you fry them or do you bake? Do you put them in oven? You can fry pan? them. Yeah, you can fry them. You can fucking air fry them. But most people will just like hoy them in the oven. They'll have what I call a beige dinner. Where it's like you'll have a freezer tea where you'll take all your beige shit out of your freezer and you'll eat that with some peas or beans on the side, which is disgusting if you but do it. Isn't that what you guys serve at your sex clubs? <laughs> no, that's a beige buffet. Oh, that's a beige a buffet. Right. Beige buffet. Chips aren't at a, a beige buffet. It's a totally right. different thing. What's so a lavender buffet? A lavender buffet. <laughs> <laughs> with some sexy bitten bars. <laughs> Takeaway delivery driver Thomas McCann, not to be confused with McCain, who makes McCain is like a big frozen chip uh, brand over here. Nice. He flew nice. into a rage last May and he strangled his spouse of 24 years, Yvonne, when the couple were forced to throw away the three pound bag after she forgot to put them in their freezer at their home in Stockport. Now, I remember we did a story on Stockport, and I was unsure if it's a shithole or not, but half of it's in Cheshire and half of it is in Greater Manchester. This is 100% the shithole side. <laughs> I love how this is the breaking point. 
yeah, the three pound, the three pound um, bag of this is just like the guy just snapped at this point. It, it, Psychotic it gets, rage crazier so he's 49 years old he after after the murder he dismembered the body of his 46 year old wife using a stanley knife and a tree lopper and then he dumped her remains in eight different plastic bags at a nearby recycling center what the fuck man a recycling center i don't know why he's using a stanley knife what's a tree lopper uh i just think it's something that you can like take the top of trees down so like if you're not tall enough you know you use a tree lopper to take oh, the top okay. branches like you off prune, so they're sharp. you prune with it yes you prune your trees with the tree lopper so he pruned so, his uh fat wife with it this she was a big free. lady wasn't she i saw a picture of her she is a big lady so that's why taking hours a stanley knife as well jesus christ like they'll have steak knives and stuff like that in the house use one of them so this father of three, this clever father of three, he then used his, vic- his wife's, his dead wife's mobile phone to send messages to their children pretending to be his wife. And he was detailing this whole uh, row over the chips. He is Whoa. so fucking mad about Whoa. these chips. So this guy was like pretending to be his wife, but trying to explain <laughs> how she fucked up the chips. I got some great quotes coming up. So some of the texts that he sent to their daughter, Rebecca, uh, which he pretended to come from his wife, Yvonne, his dead wife, said, I was planning it on ending it with your dad this weekend until your dad pissed me off over chips. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> their son, Callum, also texted his dad. He invited them both to a barbecue the next day, and the dad used his wife's, his dead wife's phone, who he'd murdered over chips, to reply, okay, Call round um, if we're home. Your dad's a mank, so he might be on his own. <laughs> you might not know what any of that. Do you know what a mank is? No, it's a mank. So, like, you can say that something is manky to kind of mean disgusting or vile, kind of like minging. Minging. I thought that was the term. I'm, I'm so confused with this, these English terms. Manky. I think manky is very is much more northern. I don't think um, southerners say manky. How do you much. spell man- like M A N K? K. Yeah, it's kind of like manky. I think there's a Pokemon called manky as well. Manky. Yeah, but you can also describe someone as a mank or you can describe someone as being manky. It's just like manky, minging to me is like, it's more a visceral thing. Like you can be like, oh, that's fucking minging, man. But manky means it's like more personal. <laughs> All right, so minging, minging, you could just, but which would someone be more insulted by? Being called minging, manky, or slag? <laughs> None of the above. Manky probably is the most insulting because manky is like saying, oh, he smells manky. But you can say that anything's minging. Oh, okay. So, so you'd be taking that personally. I think manky, if someone if someone described you as manky, uh, then you would take that personally. And uh, you know what? While he was sending out these texts to his two children who were just innocently inviting him to barbecues, he was uh, cutting up his fat dead wife. Oh, for he was a bag of her. chips. Yeah, he texted um, their daughter Rachel and um, he said to her, uh, you should not have let the chips out. It's only three quid, but that's not the point, is it? That's the line that made me think of Three quid. That's what I was about to say. You know, I mean, it is only three quid, but he's he's saying she was disrespecting the chips. Which is a very, don't disrespect the chips. Do you know what, honestly? I remember there's been was a night out once. This used to be a thing when I was like 16, 17. If you were eating a portion of chips outside, you'd try and knock them out of your mate's hands 
and be like, hey, knock your chips out your hands. But honestly, it's it's devastating when it happens to you. Like, <laughs> is it like traumatic? He is traumatic. Like you want to eat those Do you chips. still have flashbacks, like horrible flashbacks when your mate knocks some chips out of your hands? Out your hands. I do have a good like Glasgow joke. So it's like, um, how do you know when a girl from Glasgow has come? She oh. drops her chips. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good one, actually. Yeah, you can apply it to anywhere, anywhere sleazy. Do uh, most uh, northern slags prefer chips, like good chips? I'm talking like really good, mm-hmm. perfectly cooked chips to sex. Oh fuck! Why are you doing that to me? Why are you trying to make me choose between daddy or chips? I'm just like, saying, which one? Like, if you if you had like a perfect, a perfectly cooked, <laughs> yeah. you know, bag of oh. chips versus like you know an orgasm. Can it be sex with any one of my dreams? No, no, it's just a... Just an orgasm over chips. Just a regular, regular... Sex with your boyfriend. Over chips. Over perfect chips. Perfect chips. Perfectly cooked. Right now, I'm taking the chips. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hungry. Spoken like a true northern bird. True, you know, I want the chips right now. So he uh, he was also messaging his daughter saying that him she might not go to the barbecue. This is for, pretending to be his wife, and then he referred to the frozen chips again. <laughs> and then later, as himself, he messaged his dead wife's phone. He apologized about the chip incident, and then he was later seen by eyewitnesses leaving his home carrying numerous bin bags into the car, which we all know contained his dead fat wife. Well, probably numerous because she was very large. But this was like the dumbest ruse I've ever heard of. It's just so funny. I I love the telltale chips, too. Like, he's so full (laughs) of remorse. It's like the telltale chips just keep, you know, are sitting there in the back of his mind. It's like, I apologize for the chips. I do think they must be like Aunt Bessie home fries to get this upset over free quid chips. They've got to be, even though it's not the point, is it? It's it's Aunt Bessie. It's not the case. I mean, obviously, there are other issues going on there, but it was the chips that uh, ultimately led the snap. And he, he goes crazier. This dad definitely has some, like, he's not all there. He is a bit banana bread crackers. Because that evening, um, the daughter messaged her mum again, asking if she was at home. And he used his wife's phone again, and he responded. This is this him pretending to be his wife. I think I'm pregnant. I don't know what to do. I was planning on ending it with your dad this weekend until your dad pissed me off over chips. <laughs> well, I don't understand where he's going with this. This is almost like a plot from uh, like uh, EastEnders. I don't even. So... I don't even understand where he's going. Like, how long was he going to maintain this ruse? Do you think he was going to dress up as his wife and show up like and just pretend to like you know wear like a couple of her dresses and try to be her? This whole like chips thing, it totally reminds me of like, you know, you know, you'll get into arguments sometimes with like your your spouse, your boyfriend or girlfriend. And then they'll, you know, you'll be like, what's wrong? And they're like, nothing. What's wrong? Nothing. And then eventually it comes out. It's like, you know what's fucking wrong? It's because you left those fucking chips out and we're throwing away money. I'm sick of throwing. It's like that, isn't it? This whole fucking thing. I think, he, I think he knows. I think he knows what happened. He'd be like, you'd prefer to eat those chips and have sex with me. <laughs> Right, no, I would 100% rather have sex than have oven chips, but you're talking about like the best chips from a chippy, like that's, there are some good fucking chips from a chippy, it's very high, like it's a hard question to ask, you know. It's it's a tough one, it's a tough one. It is. So he was also, while he had dismembered his wife and he was dropping off 
bin bags full of a dead body. He He's a takeaway driver. So he was also delivering off takeaways, dropping off takeaways to random people. He even dropped a takeaway off to his probably fat daughter. And the next day, and he'd been captured um, on CCTV carrying two very heavy bin bags into a, ca- a con- country park. He returned empty-handed 10 minutes later. He sent a message to his wife's phone again saying, missing you so much. I hope we can sort this out. Forgive me. I don't want to lose you. After he dumped her fucking body. Oh my God, this guy is such an idiot. Like, he, I mean, you'd think you could come up with a better plan than this. Like maybe, you know, put her in the car, like put the six bin bags or whatever in a car, drive her way out to the country, bury her or something, or put her in the moors or something, and just act like she left, like she ran away and be like, yeah. I don't know what happened to her. And then frame her for having an affair. This whole ruse of him like texting and pretending to be her is not going to convince anyone. So how they discovered the wife, this is my absolute favorite way for dead bodies to be discovered. Her her remains were later found near Shipport, Greater Manchester, by a woman walking her dog. It's always the fucking dog walkers, man. They I always he took find her to a recycling bodies. plant. He took part of parts of her to a recycling plant, but he also dumped her body in a local park. Well, there are many parts uh, of her, so. The police, when they they got him, he had been drunk the day before, and his daughter had seen that in his pocket he had had a, her mum's mobile phone and some of her earrings. So she was a bit like, "What the fuck?" So the police picked him up and he spent four days denying murder before confessing, I killed my wife and I disposed of her like garbage. And as of this point, only 50% of her remains have been found, which is probably the ones in the in the park. I would like to know which remains were. Well, I want to know, like you guys, where, 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 uh, what city is this in, in England? Ship Park, Greater Manchester. Shipport, oh, okay, okay. So I wonder how many people, like, if her remains were recycled in the plastic, if you guys are drinking it right now, like drinking a piece of this woman. That's true, because um, we're big into recycling in this country. In fact, where I live, they won't even take your rubbish away unless you recycle it. So you've got to separate it all out. Um, so we could all be having the, using recycled plastic goods that have some of the They have, like, a little piece it. of this woman in there. That's sweet though you're continuing to live on after you died it's like circle uh, life like the lion king so rachel said about her mom that the couple had been childhood sweethearts they married in november 96 uh, and um, their relationship was good in the early days and although oh. they argued like most couples do their relationship appeared very good to me she was a full-time mom to us she would take us to school she always bought us things we got whatever we wanted and we never went without she absolutely loved sunshine. She would take us on holidays abroad when she could. She loved music, and she would always have music on full blast when she cleaned the house. We've all come to terms with the realization that the person they found in the country park was our mum, and the realization that our dad caused her death. Yeah, over a bag of chips. That's we the worst are, yeah. part about it. Um, daddy or chips. She has to make that choice now between daddy or chips. And the dad, in his statement, said... I have to live with myself for my actions on top of the punishment I'm going to receive. I punish myself more and more as the days go past, but this was my own doing. I ask that one day my three children may consider forgiving me for the pain and heartache that I have put them through. If they don't, that's something I will have to get used to. I would like to stress how deeply, deeply sorry I am and how I really want some chips. I want some some kale, (laughs) chips and chips. (laughs) Don't don't let my chips thaw out, all right? 
Oh, right. Do you want to know a top British tip as well? So obviously chips from a chippy are the best chips you can get, but chips from a Chinese takeaway, they are also really good. You can get a thing called salt and pepper chips, which are fucking delicious. Are those better than like chippy chips? A lot of the time, I would probably rather have Chinese chips because you know what? They never change the oil in a Chinese takeaway. So it's like 50-year-old oil that these (laughs) chips are coming out of. That's why they taste so good. And it is so delicious. And salt and pepper chip, it's like they usually will like then toss in some like cooked chilies on top and it's like, it's fucking delightful. Do they serve chips just at every restaurant in England? Like at an Olive Garden, at an Italian restaurant? We don't have Olive Garden. But Italian restaurants, they also have chips? You can get a side portion of chips pretty much anywhere. In the in the very north as well, it's pretty much ubiquitous to the north. We have a thing called a munchie box. You ever heard of these? I think you mentioned them before, actually. I have mentioned a, a munchie box. box. So a munchie box is basically you get like a pizza-sized box from – it's usually a Chinese takeaway, and it's usually all the deep-fried starters. So you're going to have like prawn toast, spring rolls, chicken or pork balls – uh, maybe some fucking seaweed in there if you're lucky. And then it's just a massive heaping portion of chips and like sweet and sour sauce to dip it in. I thought she said most northern birds have manky boxes. Manky boxes. <laughs> My box, <laughs> as I have said many a time, is perfection. It is not manky. Was I've that a proper heard. use of the term? That was, yeah. See, I'm getting good at it. Getting good at you it. You are getting good. Well done. Well, there you go. Lesson of the story is put the, put the chips back in the freezer. But the lesson of that story is... Save your um, marriage. If you have to make a choice, do you choose daddy or do you choose chips? That's it always comes down to that, daddy or chips. Daddy uh, people or send chips. your stories, stick around podcast at uh, gmail.com. We've got some phone calls coming up next, 323-522-4032. Before that, though, here's a word from Adam and Eve. It's butt plug month on adamandeve.com. Show that you still care by bringing something new into the bedroom. And by something new, I mean a butt plug. Because if you order right now and use coupon code DIDDLE, you get 50% off your first item, a gift so sensual I can't even tell you about it on this podcast that talks about murder and bukkake, and on top of all of that, free shipping. Support Sick and Wrong by supporting our sponsor, adamandeve.com, and making a purchase with coupon code DIDDLE, that's D-I-D-D-L-E. So we got a few phone calls to get to. 323-522-4032 is that number. People, remember to keep it under three minutes, and we'll play it here on the show. We've been getting a few calls here with uh, some jail stories. Nice. They're I've, rolling it. Yeah, I often wondered how many people in our listening audience have been arrested. Um, um, not enough is my answer. Not enough. Um, but uh, this first one is good old atheist preacher. With his yes. jail story. Awesome. Hey, Brother D, Sister Kate, Sadie's Preacher. I'm calling because I fucked up my last one. Um, I'm calling about the jail story. I hope I have the idea right with uh, the reason I went to jail, spent the weekend. But uh, I, was, I was sitting with my girl in her house. Uh, in her room, I was I just started staying with him. Just hanging out, watching TV, smoking weed, whatever. And her mom, drunk as fuck, just just barges in. And like, give me some pot, give me some pot. I'm like, fuck no. You know, come in here, barge in, demanding shit of us. Is he is he from Florida? Like, where is he? Or Virginia or something? Yeah, I think. That's where his grandparents are in Virginia. Yeah, he's he's definitely a servant boy. 
I imagine this is kind of commonplace in uh, that area of the country where your mom's Yo, like, give me your weed. Yeah, give me some weed, like, bitch. Hey, city fuck. I didn't know why I'm talking <laughs> like that. Please, may I have your marijuana? That's how we ask her over here. When uh, you were growing up, did a uh, drunk dad ever be like, give me some of your weed, bitch? Bitch. Um, no, but you know what I found fucking highly ironic? Um... One of the main reasons I got kicked out of the house is because I was a stoner and I fucking loved what? smoking weed. Yeah, and uh, my parents highly disapproved of this. So it's one of the main causing points. I, I also loved all the other drugs. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Okay, but drunk dad can drink two bottles of white wine and like half a bottle of bourbon a night, and that's fine. But you smoke whiskey, a joint. Whiskey, not bourbon. Or whiskey, you, whatever. You drink whiskey, not bourbon. Yeah, um, yeah, and I'm not allowed to like fucking smoke weed in the house. What the fuck ever? Pot okay. the kettle. And then for, you know, my whole life, since I was 16, I've smoked weed on and off. Some periods heavier, heavier than other, but I, you know, I, I enjoy it. So then when my father got the cancer and they were like, it is terminal. This man is going to die. Who is, is suddenly like, puff, coming puff, to pass. me? <laughs> who is suddenly coming to me to ask for some fucking weed because it helps you with your appetite, it helps you with pain, it helps you with sleep? Who is fucking turning around and suddenly asking me to get them weed? We're just like, too bad. Too bad, you fucking bitches. Well, it was actually my mum who asked on behalf of my dad, and I said, no, no. You didn't give him any weed on his dying, no. on his deathbed? Did I fuck? Did I fuck get them weed? I said, you find your own suppliers because I've got God, my own. God, you are harsh. No, I'm sorry. It's a fucking matter of principle, mate, at that point. Because you can't fucking, you know, it nearly could have ruined my life what they did to me. But then just because this man is dying, he suddenly has a fucking, oh, it's okay to smoke weed now. No, it's fucking not. Fuck you. You die with your morals. You are harsh. You've made your bed. Well, anyways, <laughs> he did die. And he died with far superior drugs in his system than fucking marijuana. Yeah, no, I was about to say, it's like when you're, I mean, I guess when you're in that stage of cancer, you get like way, you get access to way better drugs. Oh, fuck yeah, because I was stealing them towards the end. Yeah, God, my like, dad was on Dilaudid. We were doing I couldn't even tell you the names of what he was on. I just used to go in and I would like shake, shake them into my hand. But I stole then, like two bottles of morphine, liquid morphine. What? Uh, what happened was because he got palliative care so the hospice towards the very end so the hospice nurses came around and they were there a lot and they kept very good firm watch and control but there was all the opiates because he was in a um a kind of coma before he died he had he's he had one eye open as well Sharif fucking creepy so that's the last time i went in his room i knew the nurses weren't coming into the morning and then he'd been in a coma for like two days and we were all every day. It was like, he's going to die. He's going to die. He's going to die. He's going to die. He didn't for like 18 days. But I just like I snuck into his room in the middle of the night and was like, just like taking tablets. Did you fill it up with like other drugs so they wouldn't notice? No, I just kind of took like a couple of each and then I would half them like to take myself. But I was like, this is the least this man can fucking give me right now. Like the f <laughs> well, he's, he's not, not needing them. Weed. Yeah, he's not getting any fucking weed. Well, you know my, he can't. You know what my father got? Uh, Maridol. Have you ever heard of Maridol? 
Marigold. No. Marinol. It's like uh, this THC tablet. Holy shit, go. it would knock you on your ass. It was so strong. Like, it was like, not even fun. It was just, it was like, must have been like an indica or something. You do like, you do one of them. Too much edible. And you, yeah. Well, you do one of them, you'll be kind of high for maybe an hour, and then you're sleeping for about 12 hours. Ooh. And then you wake up and you're good. just like, what the fuck happened? Fuck. It's like <laughs> time travel. But did you ever have, did your friends have like hip, cool parents that wanted to smoke weed with you? Um, hmm. No, because even nowadays, obviously, it's way now more. Now I bet you, yeah, now it's yeah. common. Nowadays, it's common. But when I was smoking weed at 16, 17, it was obviously something that your parents felt they could kick you out of the house for. That fucking would not happen nowadays, would it? Unless you're, like, Christian. Yeah, yeah, and now I'm sure parents, parents don't care. But I always thought, like, it was just annoying. Because, like, the rabbi obviously did not smoke yes. weed with us, nor did my mom. But I remember their friends, I want to say his, his first name was Eric. But I remember he had, like, a very, like, cool hippie dad. And so you'd be over there in his garage, and, uh, you know, we'd be smoking weed or doing mushrooms or whatever. And he'd come in and be like, hey, guys, when I was your age, we were listening to Grateful Dead. Give me some of that. And then you'd just be like, fuck you. Yeah, you have. A, I did have a friend actually, my pal Josh and Brendan. Their dad was a total old school hippie, and he but he was nice. He was a very quiet demeanor, and he would just dip in and out, and he'd he'd smoke his own joints. Oh, this dude so, want to hang out with us and smoke our weed. No, that's too. Don't hang out with the kids, Dad. It's like that Steve Buscemi meme, isn't it? How's it going, fellow kids? <laughs> <laughs> fellow kids. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's always fucking like this, and. So, we tell her no, she, she grabs a fucking, goes back out, grabs a fucking folding chair, comes back in, starts swinging it around in this fucking little tiny room. I end up grabbing it and fucking tackling her. <laughs> I go... This is like Jerry Springer. She's grabbing a fold-up chair. Yeah, it's like wrestling, isn't it? <laughs> like swinging around wildly in the double-wide trailer. Use that chair. Use <laughs> that chair. <laughs> get out and start moving our shit. Start moving our shit. She's yelling, get the fuck out of my house. Get the fuck out of my house. My blah, house. blah, 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 blah. Fuck out. And this, right? So we're getting our shit together and putting it in my van. We're going to fucking leave. She wants us out of the house, get out of the house. This bitch takes my fucking keys, right? And won't won't give them to me, right? And so I end up having to fucking choke her out. Shit, she bites the, bites the hell out of my arm. I had to go. Had to. I had to choke her out. I couldn't just call the cops and be like, hey, she won't give me my keys back. This is totally like right. a wrestling storyline. <laughs> <laughs> just like a rear, like naked chokehold. This is this is, is raw as well, baby. Yeah, this yeah is he's choking her out. I want to see him give us some fucking sweet chin music next. That's <laughs> 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 Get shots for Hep C because of this bitch. And then to top it all off, you want to know that the fucking twist ending. That woman is now my mother-in-law. No way, so. <laughs> Wow. Uh, do you think, I want to know, like, if they get on and if it was, like, just that one mad moment, but now they're, like, best. Because, you know, sometimes you can really hate somebody, but then you have a fight 
and then you really like them again. You really like that person because you kind of bonded through a fight. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I have a couple friends that we actually got into a fight and uh, best buds now. I think it's just kind of like one of those things where you just sort of prove yourself. Yeah, or not even that. Sometimes it's just like shit happens, but it kind of bonds you because you're like, yeah, this sad moment. So I'd love to know if him and um, his mother-in-law are like really get on. I want to know if like they just if if there's a point where they drink too much Captain Morgan's and they just start fighting again. (laughs) Again, and it becomes like a backyard brawl. If it does, I hope that AP's um, wife, the daughter, fucking films it. This is a great wrestling storyline. Well, like the Vince McMahon would have this. She fucking does pick yeah. up a folding chair. Yeah, but I ended up having to stay the weekend in jail. That was that was the most uneventful part of the story. But yeah, don't trust fucking drunks. All right, adios, lick my balls. I bet you that wedding must have been insane. Oh my! You wouldn't. You know what I would have done? I'd have been. I would have been moving all the folding chairs away from her. But every time she came near one, I would have been like, "Hey, you, you be careful around these." Well, don't you <laughs> the, think their wedding from was, then until the end of time? Don't you think the wedding was probably in the backyard? Yeah, it was a backyard brawl. <laughs> I bet it probably ended up in like a folding chair match. <laughs> wow. That was that's a great, brilliant. that's a great arrest story. I, I, um, Atheist Preacher, if you can let me know either calling back or on uh, Discord, I want to know where this occurred, because I don't think he said, did he say, was it Virginia? Uh, her house. Yeah, but I, where, like what state? I want to know what state. Oh, so Just so you can be biased against it. <laughs> well, I just want to know what, where in prison, like were you in Florida? Because if you're in Florida, right, you're probably with like six other like compatriots who also just choked out their mother-in-laws. You know? Probably, yeah. You're all in good company. Yeah, you're in good company. Meet some uh, lifelong friends. Do you know what? As well, he's kind of a hero because I'm sure there's a lot of like married people out there who have always wanted to choke them. Wish fulfillment for sure. Yeah. So he's probably done something that a lot of men will envy him for. So good on you. What was your fiance or or girlfriend or whatever doing at the time? Was she like encouraging you to give her a suplex, or was she just like world star? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but videotaping it on her phone. Like, what was she doing? Putting it on um, the TikToks. All right, I want to know if uh, I don't think this next guy needs to choke out the mom. He can do something else. Mm. He could fart on her. <laughs> I know who this is. Ah, thick and wrong. D and Kate. Epic farter Epic here. Epic farter. Just giving you a call with an update. I've had a few. It's been a while. We haven't heard from him in months. Yeah, I feel like I was a bit harsh to him the last time he rang in. So I was a bit worried that maybe. um. He wasn't ringing in because I'd been mean to him, but here he is. He sounds as happy as usual. Deny him marijuana on his deathbed. I'm sorry, you just can't change your fucking mind about that type of shit. There's a lot of years of hurt and pain that had gone on from then until that point. Sorry, and I would also like farted. to point out that my dad also never apologized to me, so I'm glad I never gave that man weed. Wow. I'm hashing things out today. You should have ripped a fart on you. That's what you should have done. <laughs> through the discord um just to sort of and facebook um just finally found myself a bird um whoa 
been in the flat now for a year, living above that little village pub. Has he oh, been still. divorced for a year only? Wow, good I on him. was longer. I don't know if he's fully divorced, but he's left her. So even yeah, after divorces can go on quite some time. It was oh, he... good on him. He must really like his little, well, it's not a bachelor pad anymore, but he must really like his little flat. Well, was he living like above a gay bar or something? At the gay bar, gay bar, yes. I think it was like a little pub, or it was a little gay pub, and he was living in the. the oh, it the was flat like a pub, it. and it was owned by gay guys. Whatever, Something yeah. Like he likes likes his little flat. Uh, obviously, dating's fucked with all the COVID and that, but I managed to have a couple of little dates. Um, met this girl for a friend of mine. She works with him. She kept asking if he got any single mates, which is always a bit of a worry, but. He hooked me up with her. Um, she's on my level. In fact, she can outfart me. I've discovered, <laughs> um, especially when I cook her a curry. I've been I've been embracing curries. I've been cooking them from scratch, watching this guy on TikTok and how to cook them and stuff. So as you can oh, imagine, the farting japery has gone up a notch. Now I can make my own curries. God, I can just imagine this couple. They eat a curry. Next thing you know, they're both like lifting, you know, they lift a leg and just rip one out. Of course, Epic Farter is one of those men who is in their 40s on TikTok. Of course he <laughs> is. Wait, Epic Farter, do you fart on TikTok? Like, is your whole TikTok just farts? I would imagine that is. It will be curry videos, and then after the curry video, it's a fart video. Or it'll, he'll rate the curries by fart rating. Oh, that's right. Yeah, like how much how much gas did you get from that curry? Yeah. So I, I wonder who, like, I wonder, like, who Dutch ovens, like, who first? Like, or is it just, like, they both just Dutch oven each other and just, like, pull the covers over and make love? <laughs> Do you know what? I'm I'm fucking good at making curries, having spent a lifetime making curries, and obviously it's in my genes, so I I can make them. But I could, that doesn't have the if. No, I have an iron farts? stomach though. No, I do have an iron farts stomach. From it? The vag farts. No, the vag farts are a rare and special thing that only happen every so often. Do you know what? The next time that I do have a vag fart, I will let you know. Epic farter, has your girlfriend ever farted a regular fart, but then it slipped into her vag, and then she farted out the vag fart, like, twice? It happens, yes. <laughs> it does happen. Vagina bubble farts are a thing. It's a callback from last week. Um, but, yeah, I just thought I'd let you know things are looking up. I'm still fighting with the ex over my divorce. It looks like it's going to cost me a lot of money, but I'm still getting too much. Fucking divorces are never cheap. That sucks. I wonder if there's like yeah, a custody but... battle going on. Oh yeah, I was about to say, what are they fighting over? But obviously, maybe it's the kids. Well, they had kids, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, do you know what? I just would not have that in me if you just I was be like, like, keep the kids. I don't give a shit. You take the kids. <laughs> I'll see them on like holidays. Um, but yeah, you you pay me some monies and that's fine. I'll pay you some monies, but let's just get the fuck out of each other's lives. I would just want like you know that fucking that gone so you can move on. It's always in, if it's always there in the back of your mind, you can't like ever fully move on. Especially someone who, with an ass as rank as Epic Farter, you'd think she just oh, want to be she done with it. Smell it. <laughs> do you think sometimes she'll pull out like sheets from the airing cupboards that have been there a long time? She can just smell the whiff of fart from him on them. I wonder if the kids are like you know holding out of the door post, like please, mom, I don't want to go <laughs> back to that little gay bar flat that smells Mom's like shit. Like the, it's like the gas chamber. <laughs> 
Chamber in there, Mum. That's where they send you to die. <laughs> Don't. I beg of you. It's, um, I've got a new girlfriend that likes me, so it's <laughs> a bonus. Mazel tov. So you're off the hook, Kate. I won't be coming after you. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you do sound like a good crack, to be fair. Um, but, yeah, all good. It um, sounds like a what? A good job. I could say, do you say good crack? Good crack. Well, let me rewind it. Oh, yeah, because he likes northern birds, doesn't he? All right. Um, I've got a new girlfriend that likes me, so it's <laughs> a bonus. So you're off the hook, Kate. I won't be coming after you. Don't worry. Um, but, uh, yeah, you do sound like a good crack, to be fair. Yeah, good um, crack. Good crack. But, yeah, all good. Um, still missing Harrison, I'll be honest. I do like him, even though he hated me. I did like him. <laughs> you know, I wish him all the luck. Um, and if he does listen, and he is in the UK, and he is where I think he came last time, which is the Cotswolds, I'm not far from there. So if he wanted to come and find me and have a fight or something, or just come for some humour, um, then I'd love to meet up with him. But yeah, just thought I'd keep you up to good day, guys. Thank you very much. Well done, Kate, for putting on a good show with Dee. Um, and hopefully I'll speak to you soon. Take care. Love you. Bye. Aww, Epic him. farter. Congratulations, man. I'm glad you found a lady. That guy's yeah, great. He's too. got a great sense of humor. He does. You know, That's he's, funny uh, in the end. Well, very like, skilled at flatulence. Any woman would be impressed by that. He should just message Harrison. Harrison's still out there. Just send him a little message saying that you miss him. They I'm had sure a very he'll tumultuous probably, you know relationship, though. But I imagine Harrison now will probably miss Epic Farter. You think so, after all this time? Well, yes, because Harrison probably gets daily messages from Schlitzy and Jizzy Jake. I imagine he is desperate for anyone other than Schlitzy and Jizzy Jake to be in contact with him. So I think Epic Farter would for once be a breath of Didn't air. Harrison ban Epic Farter from the Discord for making a feather joke? He did. Joke? It was within like a minute of um, Epic Farter joining as well. But to be fair, like... We all know how sensitive warned. Harrison was. Yeah, he was warned. And, and Epic Farter just like came in and was like, how's it going, Harrison? How's the feather collection? And Harrison was like, you are banned. And he just banished him. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't mind that. Like if Harrison moved over there and then he and Epic Farter became roommates. And oh my like God, that's buddies. like a sitcom, isn't it? Harrison could never do that. Harrison would never put up with someone farting so much. No, oh no, oh no, God. I don't think so. Could you imagine, that would probably make him cry more than the road trip with Jizzy Jake. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't think he could handle it very, I don't think he could handle it for very long, but uh, it would be funny. Like if it was like oh, a big brother great. type of thing. Yeah. Anyway, Epic Farter, good to hear from you, man. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm happy for you. You know, good luck with the relationship. Um, he actually met a woman who can fart at him. his level. And That's who brilliant. likes him as well, which is the hardest thing to do. Especially that as you get tough. older, it's hard to find people who like you. So good on you, man. I know this next uh, caller has, you know, you know, experience. How, he's experienced how difficult it is to find someone who likes you that you don't have to pay for mm. yeah you have to pay for the company hey, Tony, on my last call yes that Marshall Island Tony. In the Philippines you asked about you must have been referring to Alangapo and the main drag was McSyside Street where a lot of the action was and yeah D to catch a case of yellow fever while you're in Asia is definitely not gay 
Regardless, um, <laughs> feel free. I'm just going to start with when I first got there. I remember when I got off the base, I just felt just overwhelmed by everything. And I must have looked like this totally you know, naive, vulnerable, honky farm boy because these um, black guys, they're also in the military. They were watching me with concern. And then one of them was like, oh, said something like, I'll, I'll take care of him. And um, so he'd come by himself too. So I ended up partying with him. So he kind of took me under his wing, which is probably a damn good thing because there are a lot of ways a naive dumbass get in real trouble there. But pretty soon, that place, you know, the girls, the guns, the grime, um, I fell in love with it. And you were a king with your dollars, too, so. I wonder what the uh, the, the currency exchange would be. Um, he just said, you're, it's probably like when I go over to Eastern Europe and I am like, I am a millionaire in this yeah, with country. With a pound? <laughs> yeah. I wonder how many pesos you can get for a pound. It's probably the exact same as that feeling wow. of just being like, I can rule this country if I want it. <laughs> this area of the Philippines, though, I've heard, I've heard lore of this. It's, uh, yeah, I've heard it's, it's kind of legendary. What, how did some... he eloquently put it? The guns, the grime, and the girls. <laughs> the guns, the grime, and the girls. Yeah, I, uh, I think I've mentioned this before, but I worked with a guy who was in the Navy, and he was stationed over there, and they had to, like, make sure, like, he, he was in charge of his little group, Italian, whatever they were, and he had to, like, lock them in at night because he knew if they ended up going to the street, <laughs> they are going to get hookers, probably not show up for about a week. Yeah, and go That's gnarly. <laughs> a piece of heaven on earth and this will turn on any um palm or jew that might be listening it was so cheap i figured it out you've got to drink at the bar during happy hour and since the bars are generally open 24 7 the happy hour would run from like five in the morning till like six in the evening <laughs> it averaged around Perfect. 35 cents for like like the local rum which was good and i just got a chub from hearing that 35 cents <laughs> Oh, Tony shouldn't be telling you about this. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> what a bargain for me. <laughs> to, in the after happy hour, it wasn't much more. And to get a girl was like like 10 bucks a night. And that was you know, all night the next day. Um, you know, the old adage, you're not paying a hooker for sex, you're paying her to leave. Um, didn't work there because these girls didn't want to stay as long as they could and suck there every last you. drop out of you. I remember especially when I got the first night. Um, she kept getting me going, you know, every 15 minutes or so for another quickie. I could tell she thought it was just hilarious how she could get me off again and again and again. But I liked the abuse, and she broke me in right. But You know, Sleazy E used to say in, uh, when he go to Thailand to get hookers, this is like years ago, um, afterwards, after they had, like, had sex and everything, they would give you a little sponge bath and then clip your toenails. He said oh, he wished all like women some, did that. Yeah, just some general maintenance. Well, they, he just said that it's just part of the culture, and I was just like, God, I wish women do that. That'd be great. Have you ever done well, that? Have you ever like clipped a man's toenails? After I would sex? never clip a man's toenails. <laughs> I like, I don't mind feet, but why would why would I clip a man's toenails? Why would I do that? I think gratitude for the orgasm. Oh, do you think these women are getting orgasms? <laughs> Have a little gratitude here, Missy. It's just part of the service, isn't it? They're just giving you a nice little hygienic. Um, How little disgusting is that? Can you think spa of the day. yeah? But can you think of the 
fucking filthy, disgusting, fat American like sex tourists that go to these. I would fucking rather suck their balls oh. than, than cut their toenails because I, uh, I imagine the balls are probably cleaner. These like than yellow gangrenous toenails that they're sitting there clipping. It's disgusting. Is that what yours look like? Because they're not supposed to look like that. Is that no, just because you do I it? go and no, actually, I, I take care of my toenails. Well, I haven't good, had cause... a uh, pedicure in a while, but I like those. Right. Yeah. I don't know if the, I don't know if you could do that in COVID, um, but uh, I used to go with my ex and get pedicures. Kind of nice. Get your toenails painted black. Be all goth. Yeah, are you telling Marshall and Tony that you get your toenails painted? I, I don't mind. I'm... Yeah, why not? The pedicures are to guys who haven't done it. I know it's kind of gay. Maybe you think it's kind of gay. It is kind of gay. Definitely. It's not it's gay. Little... I'm comfortable enough in my sexuality to know that I enjoy a fucking pedicure. Do you know what? If there's any other thing I've learned from Forrest Gump, it is this. You should look after your feet. You got to look though. after your feet. If you look after your feet, then they will last you a lifetime. You know, I'm saying this is somebody who I have actually worn out the fat. Um, my fat pads on one of my my left foot from walking so much. So I'm going to have to have Botox injected into my foot very, very soon. What? They do so, Botox um, in your feet? I thought that when you Yeah, it's kind of like because I'm... They eventually they're probably gonna have to re-add fat back to it, but it's because like now like my ligaments are gonna start to get sore. So look after your feet, you guys. Don't don't get jobs <laughs> when you're on your feet all the time. I'm gonna get this job where I can just like shag a man's and then cut his toenails off. Cut his toenails, yeah. No, you know okay. the thing is with me, I think that the reason I've always like been like you know conscious of uh of foot hygiene it's my father the rabbi's feet were the most vile things you've ever seen oh yeah because didn't your sister say that she's inherited your rabbi's toenails i think she said she did during uh pregnancy no she goes yes. to, she gets pedicures she's crazy yeah. about her feet too but no we both were like Shocked and appalled by how disgusting my father's feet it, feet were. I mean, were they, they were like gross. Jewish dragon toes? Uh, you know, it's almost like like uh, like uh, Guinness World Record type things. Like they curled over his feet oh, and they're yellow no. and sick, and it was so no. fucking gross. Yeah. So every, why, how know, does he get shoes on? Why is he why is he doing that, Rabbi? I don't know why. My I remember my mother was disgusted by it, but. Uh, he just, I don't know, he didn't, he didn't like to cut his toes, cut his toenails. And so when I was growing I'm up, I'm like, I'm going to cut my fucking toenails. Yeah. Fuck yeah, that's gross. Ugh. I'm saving them for a rainy day. I have no idea. LVF families were a lot of fun. If you ever found one you really liked, um, she would take some time off from the bar and you know, stay with you for a few bananas. <laughs> so my basic pattern there, I remember I'd take about 100 pesos, around 5 bucks, put that in my front pocket. That would be my drinking money and party on that and then pull up my date money and get a girl or two and date money. go back to the hotel. So if they ever invent the time machine, I'm going to um, go back to that time and shoot myself in the head because <laughs> it never got better than that. Not even this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You know, to be honest, this podcast hardly compares to that experience. Hardly compares to yeah. that. Yeah. Wow. It sounds God, magical. Marshall Island Tony. See, what I would like to do is also go back to that time, but charge my diamond level pussy prices there. 
and see. I think the other girls would probably gang up on me. They'd probably murder me. I wonder if you'd be as popular because you got all these sailors that could go, you know, they can go shag a northern slag anytime in their own country. It's like, don't they want to go because they want like some Asian girls? Yeah, they want some. You'd probably try to like overcharge too. And you wouldn't be cutting their toenails. I would not be cutting their toenails. I don't need no, some but uppity I would, white woman tell me what to do. I'd give them like a cuddle afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I can offer. <laughs> You're not going to cut your toenails, but like, you know, we can hug and shit. And I can like, you can tell me a story about your mother and then I'll leave. Like, that's what, that's what they want. <laughs> so wait, Marshall Island, Tony, have you ever been to like South America and had South American <gasps> hookers? Do you think Marshall Island has had a hooker on every continent? That's what I was not wondering. Inclu- like... Not including the cold continents on all the other ones. Well, you mean he hasn't had like continent. an Eskimo hooker? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Although he could have. Marshall yeah. Island, yeah, I'd like to know like where's the weirdest place? That... I suppose the Marshall Islands are fucking weird. He's sampled the indigenous people from around the world. I would just like, would like to, know to know which continents. Like, have you been to Africa? Have you had like an African hooker? Yes. That's a good one. Yeah. I would like to know how he fares with the Western hookers. Or does he not fucking bother with them because they're overpriced and we're all stupid? No, I think he lives in Japan. I don't think he likes uh, Caucasian women. When's the last time that Marshall and Tony will have been in, like, the West? That's a good question. Tony, uh... have you ever been to the north of England and met the breed of Northern Slag from which I am descended from? Because trust (laughs) me, you're going there with your date money. All you need for a northern slag is like a portion of chips. That's like one pound twenty. That's my going rate. Oh yeah, that's a, I guess out. I guess that's comparable to what it would be in the Philippines, but I shagged a guy for a fish finger sandwich once. <laughs> like, come on. That's not even making money. <laughs> one of Kate's uh highlights. Yeah. It's a special <laughs> moment of her life. Let me tell you, it was a really um, thank good you, Marshall Island Tony, and uh, yeah, love to hear from you. Three two three five two two four zero three two is the sick and wrong hotline number. Uh, people, check out the Reddit page. Kate's been posting a lot of things there uh, recently. Um, I also like uh, that guy Walden posts a lot of funny memes. Yes, thank you, Walden. Like homemade Some memes. memes this week. Yeah, homebrew memes. Like both. Let's go. Uh, go to Reddit and do a search for r slash sick and wrong podcast. No spaces. Um, also, Patreon, Patreon, Patreon. Like, if you um really like Sick and Wrong, you want to support the show, you're like, you know what? I really like what Kate and Dee do. Um, I'm going to give you a little money. Go to Patreon because you get a lot for what you put in. Give a little, you get a lot. You put like five bucks in, you get an extra news story, you get phone calls, you get outtakes, put a little more in, and you get um Sick and Wrong News. news. And the uh, bonus episode, Overkill, which this week, um, Kate talks about the grisly murder of porn star, Star Stowe. Yes, her rise rise and fall of um, Hugh Hefner's Hollywood. But, you know, it's kind of, it's like much more relaxed. And uh, Kate gets really saucy on the Patreon. She lets her vagina bubbles, <laughs> like just, her vagina <laughs> fart bubbles just slip right out. Yeah, they just um, they burst over. The, the dam is free. <laughs> well, you're, yeah, you know, much... I think you get drunk. You get a little drunker. You get it's more off the cuff. You get much more anti-Semitic. You know. Yeah, I'm all those things. I'm basically like um, I'm building myself up to be like steel, the female version of steel. That's what it all comes out. <laughs> on the, yeah, that's that's on the, the goal. Patron. <laughs> 
But it's, it is kind of fun. Like we, it's sort of yes. a little more relaxed. Um, what did we talk about this week on the news? Um, on the news, we talked about, uh, you know, little Nas. You see that uh, that new video he had where he's giving like Satan a lap dance. Yes, of well, he's course. Being sued I really enjoyed by it. By Nike for his Satan shoes. I saw. I saw that. That's the type of stupid shit that we talk about in the Sick Wrong News. <laughs> so go check it out, people. We do appreciate the support. Patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Sign up today. Uh, also, T Public, I think their sale might just be any. You might be able to catch the tail end of their sale. They do all these crazy sales, like two, two a month. Um, but if you just go to sickandwrongpodcast.com slash shop, click on the picture of the Pope. Uh, you can check out a Tee Public sale and get yourself some Sick and Wrong merch. Uh, Sick and Wrong Song of the Week. This guy's sending in Nathan from Essex. Where's Essex? And where, Compared to Essex. you, where's Essex? Oh, that's way down south, mate. I lived in Essex for a spell when I was a child. I lived in Chelmsford. Was that where that uh, that massive dogging festival was? Was that Essex? Yes. It's also oh, where Towie okay. is from. You know Towie? Towie. The only way is Essex. I don't know what that is. Don't don't worry. You head over it. You is don't you have like to know what it is. Champion dogger, professional. Yes, that's exactly what Towie is. It's a professional dogger. Well, I commend him. A professional him. dogger. I think Nathan here is a <laughs> professional dogger as well because he lives Ooh. in Essex, and most people tend to dog in Essex. Um, he says, "Hey, D, something you've never had to worry about, but I dedicate this one to Baby Schmooley. Take it sleazy." It's a song. It's called the Foreskin Song, hundred uh, percent uncut. It's by an artist named Chris Turner. Kind of reminds me of the British version of the Lonely Island. Remember them? Uh, yeah. What's his name Sandberg. Are they not still going? Dick I don't in a know. Box. They were on Saturday Night Live, but then I don't know what happened to them. Uh, yeah. Well, no one watches Saturday Night Live anymore. Comedic they? So. genius Andy Sandberg. Okay. Genius level comedian. Yes. Yes. Um, um, jizz in yeah, my pants. Okay. Who else could write that? Elton John could write that. Who else could write, write that? such a... Not even the Bloodhound Gang could come I don't think Bono such... could write it. Bono. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is, a great, this is a good song to uh, dedicate to Shmooley because he is 100% uncut. The Foreskin song. Thank you, Nathan, for sending that in. And thank you, Bill Kinnison, for being on the show. We got to yeah. have that guy back on. Yeah, we're going to have him back when we're definitely going to do Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, I want to hear some Rodney Dangerfield stories. We yeah. also didn't ask him about Bill Hicks. I want to hear some Bill Hicks That's true. stories, she too. She came back to do, do that. I love Bill Kinnison. He's just like his brother. I love yeah, him. that guy was great. His laugh was exactly the same as his brother. Uh, people will be back next week with episode 786. Till then, take it sleazy. Hey, girl. I know you've been with a lot of guys, and it felt like something's missing 80% of the time, statistically speaking. But I got a little bit more than you're used to Something I've been keeping under wraps Cause I'm the whole package, baby And that's just the tip of the iceberg Saturday night, hopping out the Uber Got my charm, good looks, and a sense of humor Black button-up shirt, splash of cologne Clubs packed DJ, spinning Post Malone See a honey by the bar in a skin-tight dress Throw a couple of shapes, and she seems impressed Touch her arm just a little Can I buy you a drink? Make eye contact as our glasses clink She's playing with her hair, and she laughs at my jokes So I order us another tuba cardian coat Now her hand's on my knee, and she's stroking my thigh She says she's never been with a British guy It's the moment that I fear, don't know how 
she'll react compared to other boys I'm a little more intact so I whisper in her ear don't be surprised but I'm a hundred percent uncircumcised foreskin I've got a foreskin just a heads up baby it's a warning I want to make sure cuz I've been burned before when I show them my foreskin they show me the door girl I hope you've got an open mind cuz my dicks just like God designed I've got a foreskin girl let me be blunt there'll be a little bit more going into your continuing on in the hunt for a lady who will make my shaft stand up like slim shade head home with a hottie from the discotheque feel lucky cuz she's wearing a turtleneck start fumbling before we're even in my condo hope she doesn't mind that my dong's wearing a poncho so I tell her before we get hot and heavy I'm hooded like a monk in a monastery she doesn't understand but I soldier on when we fuck girl I don't need lotion on my natural state has been preserved cock like a featherless baby bird so once the love train has disembarked you're going to come face to face with a pink aardvark what I'm saying girl don't be traumatized I'm a hundred percent uncircumcised foreskin I've got a foreskin it's kind of like my prick's got an awning. I know a lot of Jewish guys get the snip. Tell the rabbi, thanks guy, you can keep the tip. I just tell it how it is, no need for debate. And I know that I'm at a higher risk for AIDS. I've got a foreskin flapping like a kite in the breeze. And I frequently clean it so there's never any cheesy smiles on my wedding day. And I won't let this one get away. Every other girl left, I was so afraid that we never had sex. I said I'd wait. So we stand in the chapel in front of the priest. And I lean in trying to be discreet and right at the moment I should say I do I'm like babe there's a secret I must tell you suddenly you scream we all turn around outside there's a building burning down I push through the crowd as the fire roars there's a woman at a window on the very top floor crying and screaming like a crazy lady shouting out somebody please save my baby I'll catch him I replied I'm a hundred percent uncircumcised foreskin I've got a foreskin so I stretched it out and then caught him the most marvelous sight that you've ever seen turned my pork and beans into a trampoline everybody cheers I'm the hero the men told me they wished theirs could regrow thanks to my foreskin the child survived though sadly the woman in the fire died foreskin I've got a foreskin so soft that the kids start snoring foreskin I've got a foreskin and now I've got to raise this orphan foreskin I've got a foreskin in a few months he'll start crawling foreskin I've got a foreskin he's a Jew that's a fact I'm ignoring there's a story about homosexual necrophiliacs that were in the Los Angeles area let's dig a little deeper yes that's what I do folks part of my job this guy gave me a story out in Los Angeles. He goes, Sam, this is the sickest, the darkest, most horrifying story I've ever read, and it's true. It's a story about homosexual necrophiliacs that were in the Los Angeles area. This is true, man. I couldn't make this up. It's too sick. <laughs> I swear to God, you, couldn't, you wouldn't think of this shit. Somebody had to actually do it for it to fucking happen. Oh, man. These guys were going around to mortuaries and morgues, offering money. To be able to come in, be left alone, undisturbed, for a couple hours with the freshest male corpse. Oh yeah, this guy told me this. He said, Sam, this is a very sick story. And it's, uh, there's, there's no jokes in it and there's no way to make it funny. I said, give the story to me. Give it here. Give the story to me. Oh, yeah, and I read it, and I felt sorry for the corpses. 
I did. I felt sorry for these guys because you know they lived their fucking life out, man. You know, they lived their whole life out. They went up through their ups and downs, happiness, their disappointments, and then they faced death, which none of us know a fucking thing about. It scares the shit out of everybody. Nobody talks about it. You don't joke about it. But you, you figure after you faced it, you know, after you actually faced death, you know, there'd be like a peace that would settle over you. You go, well, fuck it. You know, I faced death. It's over now. I can just, you know, kick back and whatever happens happens. You know, that's why I felt sorry for these guys because you know they were on slabs. They're on slabs and uh, they're laying there going, well, well, life was tough. But at least I was able to live it out and I was able to face death and not be afraid. And well, now I'm ready to go to heaven and be with Jesus. And hey, hey, what's this? Oh God, it feels like a man's dick in my ass. Oh 